sure that your umbrella is upside down. Trade them for a package of sunshine and flowers. If you want the things you love, you must have showers. So when you hear it thunder, don't run under a tree. There'll be pennies from heaven for you and me. Welcome to the Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one, each episode myself, and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a Who Should Have Won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie that you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. That's bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. You can follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at bestpicturecast. DM us, add us, communicate with us. We love to hear from you. And we're back for what is our last episode of season two. It is our 15th episode of the season, and this is the last movie we're going to cover before we rank all the movies that we've done so far. And I'm excited to be here with two of the gentlemen that joined me for the season premiere, the season two premiere. And that is Grant C. Grant, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. And in the home studios of RDB, RDB, how are you? Good. Welcome to the home studio. Excited to talk. We did the season two premiere of Argo. Mm-hmm. It was the three of us to kick off, which I believe was our first movie of the 2010s that we covered, which we didn't really touch that in season I think so, one. yeah. And it was a, a John Goodman movie. About movies. A, mo- a movie about movies. It's a year after this episode's movie, which is, of course, The Artist. Another 2010s movie with John Goodman in it. So we're we're back again to finish this thing off the way we started. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, bookend. A little uh, kind of last minute kind of scramble thing. Yeah, a, little, but... a, a little BPC symmetry. Yeah, it wasn't but... planned. It wasn't. We we were going to do a different uh, a different 2010s movie. The, we we're going to do another John Goodman movie. Fa- <laughs> we're just going to do an episode of Roseanne. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do the Babe. And, uh, gonna... Yeah, the Phantom Shape of Water episode will have to wait. It will be pushed to season three, where we hopefully we'll we'll tackle that thing down. But but that doesn't matter today. What matters today is we're yep. here to talk about 2011's The Artist. Artie, this is not a first watch for you, right? No, I watched it probably like six, seven months ago. But I haven't talked to anyone about it really since, so it's <laughs> kind of faded from memory. Grant, this is a first watch for you. This was, yeah. When, it, when this movie came out, I was like, this movie sounds like my kind of movie. Like, it's, it's kind of weird, and it's, I don't want to say a gimmick, but there's, there's something different about it. Maybe borderline pretentious. Like, I feel like just my kind of movie. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I, I never, for some reason or another, I guess because uh, my wife has no des- no desire. She never had any desire to watch it uh, because of the reasons why I liked it. Um, I just never got around to seeing it until till now. Yeah, and some of those gimmicks that Grant's talking about there, is, if you've seen it, you know it's a, it's a silent movie. It was a silent movie made in 2011 to kind of throw back and pay homage to the old 
the old school 1927 to 29 movies as they were transitioning into sound. It's also in black and white. Yep. Fully in black and white, yes. I have no issue with. I kind of enjoy that every now and then. Nice yeah. little change up. Nice little break. It's because it, it, it allows the allows the movie to play with shadows a lot, which I like. It's a different art yeah. skill set. Yes. Yeah. And now Kieran, I have a question for you. Sure. You watch every movie in closed captioned. I do. Did you watch this in closed captioned and was there any words popping up? Like did when they spoke in silent, did it pop up? I did watch this in closed caption and it did not pop up when they spoke in silently. What popped up was the description of the music. So oh, it would be like dramatic music plays, sad music plays, whimsical okay. music plays. Like it, okay. they, they, they oh, more okay. or less let you know where the score was going. With I this. was genuinely wondering about that on my last watch. Yeah, it, it, honestly, I probably would have turned it off, but it was on, yeah. and it, it, it popped the, up so infrequently that it, just, it didn't really it, even notice that, it. That really defeats the purpose of it anyway. Right? Yeah, <laughs> to show you all the secret words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this, this one for me was a movie that I watched... I didn't watch it the year it came out. Uh, I want to say that I watched it probably like five or six years after it came out. I remembered really enjoying it when I saw it the last time. And if you know me, I'm pretty positive with these movies as a whole. If you listened before, I try to find the, the best in them. Some movies, it's a little difficult to do that. <laughs> but I'm just, the idea is, is, you know, you don't want to just look at a movie that I don't necessarily like and just bury it. Like, yeah. I think that there's good and bad to all of these movies. Right. You open this episode with my least favorite part of this entire movie, that Pennies from Heaven song. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. But I, I do want to say that this time around, I had a little bit of a hard time with this movie. Okay. I, Interesting. Yeah, I, I just, you know, we, we always talk about, we do these long form and we live in the movie for a week. I had a little tough time living in this movie and living in this year. I, this is a year of movies where I just was not connected to. And, I mean, we're, we're listen... We cover movies from the 60s and the 40s and the 30s. I don't have any connection to any of those years either. It happened up in several decades ago. But I think when we do these, these more recent movies, really basically anything from 94 on, I will have had a connection with that Oscar ceremony and that Oscar year. So I think that I weigh them a little differently. And this, I don't know what I was doing in 2011, but I wasn't watching any of these movies at all. I mean, okay. three of these movies that were nominated I saw for the first time this year. Yeah or four of them. And I, yeah, there was just a lack of connection here with this. Now, uh, the second watch this time around, I, I had a little better feel for, for it and what was going on with it. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about it because it seems, I'm getting the vibe that you guys enjoyed this one. And I'm, I don't want to say that I think that this is a bad movie or think that this is a movie that just has no merit to it. But I'm interested in, in hashing that out with you guys as to how, how you guys connected with it and, and what went on there. But we'll start before we really tackle it. I want to talk about what we're drinking today. Grant, we'll have you go first. What do you got over there? Well, because it takes me forever to go through a 12-pack, uh, apparently. Um, this is the uh, the Raleigh Brewing Company. This, uh, and there it goes. <laughs> that was the Raleigh Brewing Company. <laughs> it was. Luckily, it was an empty can. This is the one that my um, that our, our, our listener, Dan, sent to me. And I cracked it open on the Oliver episode. And I still haven't finished it, so I... Figured might as well bring, in, bring it here for the finale. Absolutely. All right. So I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada limited edition hoppy anniversary ale. Lovely little lovely little hoppy IPA. Well, you know what? It's, it, I don't know if it's technically an IPA, but it's a hoppy ale. It's good. It tastes like an IPA. It's uh, not overly strong. It's like 6%. Interesting. Stop and Shop has this wonderful 12-pack. It's a sampler from Sierra Nevada, and it's like $16. It's such a steal. And that looks like a 40-year anniversary or something? Yeah, 40-year yeah, anniversary. Nice. 1980 is the year. Yeah, it's a nice-looking label. They were established. Yeah, pretty nice. So and I'll be switching it up throughout the episode, though, because it is a variety pack. 
Excellent, excellent. So today I brought from what I consider the best brewery by us on, on Long Island, and that's the Barrier Brewing Company. I was able to, to go over there. I used to live closer to it, so I would, I would frequent it a little more often, but I, I had found myself in that part of the island. They're out of Oceanside, which is right by Long Beach. Just an unbelievable brewery. They, they do a, ph- a phenomenal job. Good, good ambiance there, too. And this is uh, kind of our spring transitioning into... Yeah. Into what is it? May May first. Yeah. Today May we're 1st. recording this, wow. so we're, it's May is here, and hopefully things are are getting a lot nicer as far as the weather and lots of other things going on. And I have the Lomax, which is kind of like a summery IPA. So okay. it's their seasonal IPA. It's a great beer. Barrier Brewing Company. A little light Check on the uh, ABV there, right? It is. It is. This is a a, a rare daytime well, recording here. It's five five point eight. It's not okay. light. <laughs> <laughs> This is a rare BPC daytime recording here, yeah. so yeah. figure we'll go, we'll go sessions. I'll, I'll, I'll be transitioning into the Montauk Watermelon after this one, which is a favorite brewery, it? brewing company of the... It wouldn't, it wouldn't be BPC. a BPC episode without a Montauk can in here. The artist is, as we discussed, a silent movie in black and white. And Ari, you said that you, you're a, from time to time you like black and white movies. I've really grown to really appreciate yeah. the black and white movies, even more so in the past year yeah, in, in doing this and, and checking. I know, Grant, you've been watching... A lot of classics recently. Yeah, from well, I mean, it kind of yeah, because of doing this this podcast, it really kind of made me appreciate the time before color. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's great. And uh, one of those classics that you watched for the first time was Sunset Boulevard. Yes, which is certainly ties into this movie a lot. Very Aladdin. much so. And the other one uh, that I watched for the first time, Artie, I think you first watched too, is Singing in the Rain. Yep, Lucky Me. <laughs> <laughs> Artie is a uh, improv two musical aficionado. Uh, as of the end of season one, into season two here, against my own free will, <laughs> I have become a musical aficionado. So we discussed Gene Kelly and a little bit of Singing in the Rain on the American in Paris episode. At that time, you had not seen it at all. You just Artie, you were on the the episode for American in Paris. I watched the extended, lengthy, uh, big, you know, musical number that is very good in singing. The, broad, singing the Broadway number. melody number, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Did I, you get? Did you get like? Oh, it is. Did you get like flash trauma flashbacks when they started talking about the Broadway melody during? Singing no, the because you know I'm still gonna <laughs> stick with the fact that I had a very hard time following the Broadway melody. So <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I, I heard him say Broadway Melody, and I got the gist of it, but I was like, he, it's just got to be a popular dance. He can't be referencing that movie. <laughs> Gotta dance. And we're going to d- discuss those kind of movies in semi-length. No, we're not going to go too deep into them when we get to the end of our artist discussion. I, I feel like it's only fair to Gee. talk about these movies because they were such an influence on the artist. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, Sunset yeah. Boulevard, I think, you know, probably one of the best movies to not win Best Picture. And Singing in the Rain may be one of the greatest movies to not be nominated for Best Picture. So yeah. it's as far as prestige and, and what it's influenced and what, sure. what it became, whether you enjoyed it or not, is, is another right. That's topic. Right. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. So we'll get to that at the end of our artist discussion. But for now, we're talking 2011's The Artist. Guys, what do you think? Are we ready to, to just do the old deep dive here? Let's do it. I think I need a few more minutes. The year is 2011. The U.S. president was Barack Obama in a year where his administration orchestrated the military operation that took down Osama bin Laden. It was a story that was portrayed on screen in a Best Picture nominee of the following year, Zero Dark Thirty, a Jessica Chastain flick. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about that in the Argo episode that started the season. I still have not seen it. 
Have you seen it? Zero Dark Thirty? Yeah. I saw it in theaters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Artie? No. Uh, I haven't seen it straight through. I've seen it's, parts of it's it. It's good. It's heavy. It's dense. Yeah. But it's, That's it's, what I remember when I was watching it. I was yeah. like, I need to really start this yeah. from the beginning. Lengthy runtime, too, right? It's like three hours, and it's, yeah. like, it's like a political... It's, it's a lot. In the World Series of 2011, we saw the St. Louis Cardinals defeat the Texas Rangers in seven games to win the franchise's 11th World Series championship, which is good for second most all-time behind the New York Yankees. Cardinals are managed by Tony La Russa, who claimed his third World Series ring as manager, and the series MVP was the great David Freeze. He has as many World Series championships as he does DWIs. <laughs> I think that's actually... I think he's, I think he's I think one of... Accurate. World Series saw Albert Pujols hit three home runs in a game, one of only four times this has been done in World Series history. Artie, you're a big I Albert love, Pujols aficionado. I love Pujols. <laughs> yeah, big, big Pujols fan. We've now discussed all three of these three home run World Series efforts on Best Picture Cast with Reggie Jackson in 1977. He seems to keep coming up for some reason. Who, who was the other one? Pablo Sandoval in 2012, oh, right. the oh, Argo wow. episode. That's right. I, I, I knew it. And, in, and that was our season premiere, so we're coming full circle with the three home run efforts as well. All this aligns perfectly. This? It's just you know what I blame John Goodman for aligning all this. <laughs> what was he doing in 1977? <laughs> and Pablo Sandoval has a movie relevant nickname too, as he's Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the fourth time it was done was by Babe Ruth in 1927, which predates the Oscars. Also, the year of the artist. No, <laughs> <laughs> close. For the Texas Rangers, this was their second straight appearance and defeat. In Game 6, they were one strike away from winning their franchise's first World Series, both in the ninth and the 10th innings. Ouch. It wasn't meant to be. The game-saving hits from David Freeze and Lance Berkman kept the Cardinals alive. The Texas Rangers, to date, are still yet to win a World Series. Yikes. The U.S. Billboard number 1 song of the year was Rolling in the Deep by Adele. Oh. Great tune. Great tune. Other notable speeches on Adele, you're making faces already. We just gonna uh, if you say leave something. it right there. Okay. Other notable Billboard number ones from 2011: Katy Perry's "Firework," mm-hmm. <laughs> Pitbull and Neo's "Give Me Everything." Already, that's a wedding favorite of yours. You can't say you haven't hit the dance floor to that one. That's fine. But Katy Perry's "Firework," like, what is she getting credit for? Singing it? Okay. Yeah. It's a pop. That, you know, she went number yeah. one. You know, help the vehicle go number one. The vehicle. There we go. The firework vehicle. I mean, if Jesse J sings Firework, does it go number one? Probably not. I don't know who Jesse J is. Yeah, I don't know who that is. (laughs) Just a random pop singer. Maroon 5 and Christina Aguilera's Moves Like Jaggers out that year. (sighs) We're going to keep full circle with the voice hosts. Why do we go through these in the 2000s? (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) CeeLo Green's Forget You. Oh, well, that's an unbelievable song. They're un- an unedited version. Okay, so if Artie likes the song, we can bring it up. Yes. If he does it, then we I'd actually it. like to elaborate on C-Lo right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. You're shuffling papers. And BPC favorite, and possible if we ever did a Hall of Fame ballot, it's a possible uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, Rihanna, S&M. Thought you were going to say Rob Zombie. Uh, no, he would be on that first ballot, too. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Was, along with Robert Shaw. Absolutely. Rihanna's SNM. There you go. Rihanna, B-17. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I recently rewatched Battleship. Okay. The aliens' missiles that they shoot that land in yeah. the battleships look like the pegs from the game Battleship. Oh on purpose. Yeah, no, I... Yeah. Yes. I didn't pick up on Good. that. I didn't pick good, up on good that. for that. Good for them. What a, another layer of rewatchability to that it's movie. A, Kieran, this is my uh, nightmare. Artie, it's not good. It's, for a bad movie, it's not good. 
I strongly disagree. The best picture winner of 2011 was not, in fact, Battleship. It was The Artist. It was directed by, here we go, Michel Hanavarishis. Not if you ask him. Original screenplay was also by Michel Hanavarishis. So a different guy wrote the screenplay? <laughs> now, I, I do want to say, though, like I, when I was watching these Oscars being presented, they said his name. Three different people said his name three different ways. It's a, this is a very difficult name. So like, like the celebrities reading the Oscar awards, you did not rehearse this. <laughs> I had a hard time with this one. What can I say? We, we know that my track record for, for foreign names, especially French names, in most, is not in, in most cases, you, get, you don't get a pass. With French, I give you a pass. They only pronounce like 30% of the letters in the names. Well, we're also not done yet, so hold, hold on. The music was by Ludovic Borset. Cinematography by Guillaume... Schiffman. In case you're wondering, the name of this segment is Butchering People's Names. <laughs> Movie starring Jean Desjardins. Jean Desjardins. Jean Desjardins, thank you. Bernice Bejo. John Goodman, I got that one. John Goodman. James, James Cromwell. You're like James Cromwell. <laughs> and Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> Nominated for 10 Academy Awards, it was the winner of five, including Best Picture, Best Director, Michel Hanavarichis. Best Actor, Jean Desjardins. Best Costume Design, Best Music, Ludovic Borset. Was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress, Bernice Bejo. Best Original Screenplay, I'm going to have to do this again. Michel Hanavarisis. Cinematography, Guillaume Schiffman. Best Film Editing, Best Art Direction. Whew, we made it. We'd like to bring up some Golden Globe shade from time to time when we can. This one for best comedy musical? Is this a comedy or a musical? I thought so. The first I had a, was a, a lot, yeah. I totally get the comedy vibes. I laughed at a bunch of parts. The first like the first act and a half are comedy. Yeah. And it, yeah like, so you're okay with it in the comedy category? Yeah. I'm because okay there's with it. drama in here too. I mean I, I'm sure there's drama. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I think it I think it counts. Okay. I think it can count. Especially, the Globes survive this summer. Especially if the uh, the drama category was so stacked, I'm not sure what, what else was in there. But, like they do that, like even like The Martian, I remember was nominated for a comedy. Like, was it? The Martian was, yeah, which doesn't make any sense to Jeez. me. Well, so I've read the book, The Martian. That's a comedic book, is it? Yes, okay. but the, they edit all the comedy out of the movie. <laughs> Maybe okay. because the screenplay was comedy. Or it's the, funny. You know? Like there's funny parts. They're yeah. dorky funny because yeah. NASA guys joking with each right. other. But like they joke about Lord of the Rings, but it's it's funny. Right. In the book, Mark Wahlberg curses. I mean, uh, Mark Matt Damon curses so much. He really? swears nonstop. So I do. Before we get into the movie, I had to bring this up about 2011 because this this I. I Happened to look this up and it just kind of surprised me a little bit. But the the artist was was successful in theaters. Like it made it a lot was, of money, which I was yeah. I was first of all surprised at that in general. Yeah, it was a budget of fifteen million. It grossed forty four million U S. and one hundred thirty three worldwide. That's sure. I mean I would have thought that this was like a lot of these kind of smaller Oscar movies. It just kind of comes out with best picture and that's oh, that. Well, it would probably help that it was rated what like PG PG thirteen thirteen yeah, that helps. And, yeah, and, and obviously with I. Because I pres- I presume that uh, Jean Desjardins is a big star over in Europe, right? Um, so I'm sh- like that's why the world worldwide made so much money. And also remember, 2011. Did it was it in 2010? No, it's in a movie, theaters. Movie of 2011. So that's right after all these huge movies like Dark Knight and like cinema draws. Yeah. So people are into good No Country for Old Men. Well, there will be blood that's right gonna- before that. That's going to go into my next segment here, but I, I do want to... You already mentioned the PG-13. It was the first Best Picture winner 
to win PG thirteen since like what the eighties? No, no, no. It was it was probably like ten years, but Million Dollar Baby. And I saw that and I said, Million Dollar Baby's rated PG thirteen. Yes, they were looser with the rating. That is pretty. That movie should be rated up. Have, have just just for just for the uh, the one scene, scene alone, yeah, have, one visual. Have uh, Clint Eastwood drop a couple f bombs and put it over the all top. You need, here. All you I need mean, is two. We don't need we, yeah. two or three. Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> three, f, I think three f bombs get you an R rating. Crazy, but I do want to mention this here because I wanted to just look up what the highest grossing movies were that year and yeah. how that how that hundred thirty three compared. And I mean, obviously, the ones that were the highest grossing ones were way higher than that. I mean, the, the highest sure. grossing one was almost one point five billion. But was that Dark Knight Rises? I'm gonna get uh, it's no Dark Knight Rises is That's a year different after, year, year yeah. after. So out of these ten movies here, and this is gonna kind of be like my get off my lawn segment here, where I'm gonna get a little grouchy. Nine of these ten are sequels. Nine out of ten of the highest grossing movies of that year were sequels. I mean, we obviously live in a time here where franchises and sequels and remakes are what are the big draws in the box office. Yeah. But just to see it like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through them now. And the one that's not a sequel is like kind of like an eye roller because it's not a new property. But it's just, it's just a little crazy that like newer ideas and original ideas, this is 2011, this is 10 years ago, but it, we really yeah. have not gotten better in that. The only, really, the only filmmaker that really comes out with the all original content that does well box office wise is Tarantino. Yeah, like Nolan too, I guess. But he did the whole Batman Nolan trail. would be another but one. But yeah. Nolan also did his biggest hits were Batman movies. Yeah, but like Tarantino really is the only one that like will take a something completely original and just make bank off of it. Yeah, interesting. All right, so here, here we go. We got t- number ten is Cars two. Mm. Number nine, this is the one that's not a sequel, The Smurfs. Okay. Not a sequel, but it's a you know. It's a it's a, it's a property. Right. It's a pre-existing property. Number eight is The Hangover Part Two. Number seven is Fast Five, one of the Fast and the Furious series. Mm-hmm. Number six, the second time we're bringing it up today, Kung Fu Panda Two. Wow. Mm-hmm. Kung Fu Panda gets gets name dropped twice here. Five, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Or oh. your Jeremy your Renner's least... in that one. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my least favorite of the Mission Impossibles, and I'm even counting the second one that John Wu made. That one's better than Ghost Protocol. And you're a Mission Impossible guy. Yes. I love yeah. Mission Impossible too. Mis- yeah. And Mission Impossible three to me is an all time yes. action movie. Yes. Like a top three 100%, action movie. Hundred percent agree. And I don't know, have you seen Mission Impossible three yet? With uh, yes, Philip Seymour Hoffman that, yes. as the bad yes, guy. I've seen that with you. So, oh right! Yeah, me yeah. and Chris Jade watched that one. Okay, so number so number four is the Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part One. Number three is Pirates of the Caribbean: On Stranger Tides. Way too Ugh. many Pirates of the Caribbean Ugh. movies. Like uh, the, I mean, fir- what the first one. The first one's great. First one's great. And then it's a steep, down, <laughs> steep, steep decline into it is. Shitsville. It is, but I like them. I they're not good. I know that, but I can watch them. I can watch them. Man. I like. I really like Kira Knightley. She's really easy to look at. <laughs> Watch anything she's in. They put her on camera. I'm gonna watch. It's true. Number two, we have Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Oh, Christ! But that's I mean, that's all. That's all. That's all China. Like because it, it probably did awfully in the U.S. And number one, <clears throat> it's a sequel to a sequel. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Grant, here's your window to talk about Harry Potter if you'd like. No, it's they're they're good movies. That's all. We'll leave it at that. So just it, it gives you a little a little bit of perspective of where we were ten years ago with these box office ones. Obviously, the box office in this past year is is 
has kind of hit hit apocalypse mode. Yeah, it's uh, it's this is such this is such an outlier year for for movie theaters. Right, and and I think that you know when you you had 2019, there were some big ones. I think Endgame. Yeah, that became probably like the highest one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Right. It, yeah, it made I think like so. Three or four billion. So this is to my point about the artists having such high gross. Is look at these movies. Everyone's going to the theater all the time. Yeah. To see these, so like, yeah, if a movie's up for best picture, let's yeah, go see it. Do it. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like a, it's almost just like a cycle where they say like the movie, the movie companies are like, well, this movie made a lot of money, so let's make, let's make more like this, and then people will see them because that's all that's out. Movie execs are like, oh, look how much money it made. We got to do more of this, yeah. and then more people, and then it just becomes a business model rather yeah, than like a form of art. Yeah, and I really, I really would like to see more original stories out there, things that. Are new and this is with everything though. Music, sure. they're just taking old music and kind of putting it into new, like, like sampling. It's just yeah. beyond now. They don't even yeah. come home with hooks anymore. They just have nonsense verses and then steal some old hook from the eighties. Yeah, we need new rock and roll, man. That kind of does segue into the artist a little bit because this is not necessarily a movie that has new ideas either. No, um, and I do want to say too though that apparently this is another thing I wasn't aware of. Apparently, at that time when the artist came out. Going and seeing it in the theater was was like an experience. Shot like the old, like seeing an old silent film. Obviously, right. people our age have never got to experience right, that. Exactly. So it was there was a little bit of buzz, particularly in like California, around the Hollywood area. Yeah, I mean, when you say like it's not a new idea, I mean, I, you know, you didn't say that outright, but it's influenced by things from the past. But something like this hasn't been around in years. It, it, it's, a new, it's a new twist on an it, old idea. Okay, so this is we'll just start now with this. Okay. This movie's kind of like a cover song. Okay. And yes, or it hasn't been done in a while, and it is an interesting approach and a unique idea to do it this way, but you're also just kind of taking what certain classic movies have done and repackaging it. You're basically repackaging the plot of Singing in the Rain into a movie shot like Sunset Boulevard and presented like a silent film. It kind of reminds me a little bit of what we saw with The Joker where Todd Phillips was taking the, the, the vessel of the Joker and just putting it Taxi through driver. these, yeah, through these yeah. 70s counterculture films, Taxi Driver, Dog Day Afternoon, right. One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest, and just kind of putting them all together into this one thing. That's not an original idea, though. No, but I, but I would think that the merging of the ideas is what gives it at least a little more breathing room. It's, um, you know, it's, it's not just, it's not a remake or anything like that, but it is, you, you take something like, you talk about covers, like Disturbs, Sound of Silence. Mm-hmm. It's such a departure from everything that they've done, and it's a very different feel from the Simon and Garfunkel version of it. Yes. That it feels fresh. True. And True. I feel like the artist is the same way. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't want to disagree with that. I mean, I think that's, that's well said. It, it is definitely fresh for what is had been coming out at that time and yeah. what's come out since but it's also there's some distance between that and those movies more so than the joker and the taxi driver i mean taxi, we were talking about 40 years there with that yeah almost 50 years probably yeah what and, sing sing the ring was what 56 Something like that? Well, I'm saying with Joker in the 70s movies. Yeah. But, yeah, all right, so, but Singing in the Rain is probably the one that is least noticeably, well, Singing in the Rain is like a a plot situation with this one. But how the movie shot, like, it's shot like a a silent movie, we're talking the 20s. Yeah. So, it's almost 100 years later. So, and I think a lot of people, 
a lot of moviegoers these days aren't as familiar with those movies. Sure, yeah. Certainly not as much as they would be with A Taxi Driver or A Dog Day Afternoon yeah. or A Cuckoo's Nest. And I just think it's a, it's a very safe play in terms of getting awards and, and going. And I've said before, I don't really like the term Oscar bait. I think if you win an Oscar, you, whether you intended to try to make the movie to win the Oscar or not, it doesn't matter. You, you went and you, people liked it and it, it was rewarded. This could have bombed. This could have been a massive failure, just like a black and white silent failure. Instead, it achieved, it achieved the level of best picture. Well, it's a good, it's a good movie, right? But they don't know that when they go to make yeah. a best picture, a black and white silent movie in two thousand eleven. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't think it's a risk. I mean, I don't, I don't know the man Michelle personally, but if I, uh, I don't think he'd go out to make an Oscar movie. I think, I think he wanted to make a movie based on this. Maybe he saw. Maybe out of the blue, he just he just saw rewatched Sunset Boulevard. He's like, well, what if I do this and I kind of mix it with Singing in the Rain, and then you know, obviously, you want to make it as good as possible. But yeah, I mean, this movie is quote unquote Oscar baity because it's a movie celebrating Hollywood, mm-hmm. and that's a that's an easy way to get it's an easy way to get the attention of the Academy. But you still have to execute. Yeah, for sure. And I don't want to I don't want to come off as if I don't like this movie and I think this movie's bad. Right. I, I, that that's not my stance at all. I, I think that this is an enjoyable movie, and mm-hmm. I think that you can put this movie on, sit down, and have a wonderful experience with it. Sure. And when I first saw this movie, I had not seen a lot of the classics that it was paying homage to. Okay. I saw this movie for what it was. It didn't necessarily make me want to go back and check those out. I just kind of took it for what it was. Yeah. Watching it this time where I've seen now most of the movies that it's harkening back to, I just kind of view it a little differently. And it really made me think of The Joker and, and Taxi Driver. And how it was just kind of, it just seems, it's, a, it's just like a little bit of a cover song for me. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there. Okay. The Joker... Um, taxi driver analogy. Todd Phillips took a template and replaced certain elements, but stuck with the overall template of the movie. The, you know, the mold of the movie. The artist is kind of what Tarantino does to Westerns. Yes, Westerns have been done. Yes, spaghetti Westerns have been done. This is kind of a smarter version of a, a, a silent actor struggling to deal with sound movie. Yes, there's other movies like that, but the whole industry went through that exact phenomena mm-hmm. in the late 20s where they all had to adapt. And I think this movie has a, an originality and a thoughtfulness behind it that is that Singing in the Rain doesn't have. I haven't seen Sunset Boulevard. I'm not going to speak on it. I'm sure I'm going to love it. But I, I, it, didn't, it didn't feel like a cover song. It felt like an homage, more so than a specific cover. Where Joker feels like, after three watches, I don't need to watch it anymore. It's the same as yeah. Taxi. I'd rather watch Taxi Driver. But he'll say... I'd rather listen to the original. Yeah, but, but, and I look at this and I say I would rather watch Sunset Boulevard. And I would rather watch Singing in the Rain, personally. Well, I, mean, like I, I, I mean, Sunset Boulevard is a, is a better movie than this by, by far. But plot-wise, well, no, they're different, right? Yeah, no, pl- well, plot-wise... Sunset Boulevard would be like if if um, if George Valentine never recovered and he was just like this became a recluse became a recluse in in old in like nineteen fifties Hollywood. Okay, that's what it would be. That's what it would be about. Okay, but uh, stylistically, like how the, how it's how it's shot and how it's presented, sure. it's very, they're very similar in that sense. Yeah, and there was honestly there was a lot of I saw a lot of Lost Weekend in this in this movie. The, dr- the drinking and stuff? Yeah, and the dream sequence. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but the part where he pours the, the drink on the table, mm-hmm. signifying that he's washed up now. Mm-hmm. Like, the shot, <laughs> right, the shot so is... really washed up. Yeah, the shot's a little upside down, then it slants, you and see, yeah, you, you see his face through the wet reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and listen, 
again, there's some wonderful shots in this movie. But does aping Billy Wilder shots make you a great filmmaker? No, but it, but it's it's not just him just doing all these homages and that's the whole movie. It's there is more to it than that. I think there is there is a little bit more of a voice to it. They're kind of a yeah. you know they also didn't do this thing where it's kind of like what they have in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where you know George Allen Valentine's career is going down. Well. Oh, Pepe's is going right. up. Maybe in a way... So in the stairway shot? Yeah. Which, like, does, but, which is one of my favorite shots. But like maybe sure. Quentin Tarantino like saw the artist and like liked the idea of a successful actor on the downturn and a, and a blossoming actress on the upturn and kind of how they intertwine. I mean, it's... I'm glad you brought up Tarantino because he's a guy who does a lot of sampling. Mm-hmm. Of, well, yeah, of just, well, that's what I mean. As yeah. opposed to homage, not covering, you know. He, yeah. He's better at making it an homage rather than a cover. But he thematically and creatively comes out with new and original, maybe not new, but original themes and ideas. He, he does. He, yeah. he, he uses it as a vessel for his creativity. I don't think there's anything new thematically about this movie whatsoever. I think this movie is very thin of themes because everything that it covers has been covered in the movies that it's stylistically presenting. So there's one thing I'll touch on specifically that I disagree with about that, but to Tarantino's point, I think Tarantino is the epitome of Einstein's quote, the secret to appearing clever is knowing how to hide your sources. Mm -hmm. I think he's seen more old stuff than everyone, even experts. So when he samples stuff, some experts don't know it's a sample. Everything's so original. If you don't know any source material that he's paying homage to, it's totally original. Yeah. And I think he has such a deep knowledge of old material that he could be doing all covers and we wouldn't know. And and the cover song that he's making is an obscure song that people don't know. It's not like he's covering yeah, like so American Pie rainbow. or yeah or, or over the rainbow. Yeah, something that you that you know and everyone knows and he's doing it the same way that it was done back then. Right. It's That's, like it's like um when the levee breaks. Like no one knows the original right, that exactly Led Zeppelin's right. covering. Yeah. So everyone thinks Led Zeppelin's the original. Yeah, that's, or that's yeah. singing in the rain. You know, for the movie that's a that's a an old school 20s movie that is more popular with its cover version later on in the movie. And the specific thing I wanted to disagree with about that, this does do something new. There's a reason he can't be in talkies. It's not just, I'm against this idea, F this. Mm-hmm. It's because of his accent. He's, he doesn't speak English. Yeah. And when he says... Well, he speaks English. When he says... He's speaking English. When, he's, when he... When he rewatch, like, I, I rewatch it a fourth time. A lot of his stuff in the opening scenes, he uses a lot of hand gestures. Because mm-hmm. that's how he communicates. He speaks broken English. He's not fluent in English. Yeah. So that scene with the cop at the end where he's lecturing him and you see the cop's mouth but there's no words. Interesting. He doesn't really know what he's saying. He just knows the cop's being tense towards him. Interesting. And it makes him uncomfortable. So when he says to Pepe, you know you know they, they don't want to hear me speak. She doesn't say, they do want to hear you speak. She's like, no, he's right. And John Goodman has the same face. And then at the end, he's like, well, there's got to be something we can do, and it's dancing. And yeah. then at, when you finally hear him talk, and he's like, he's like, oh, is it pleasure? And like, he's super French. He's not. Yeah. He can't do a full English movie without he, sounding French. He, I, I, that's interesting. That's, that's a unique, very original point of that is, this that this has that those movies don't have. That is, that is a very interesting take on it. I don't think that you can say he's not fluent in English, though, because he directs his own film, and he's working with 
English. And how many actors. days did it take? How long did it take? You saw him trying to communicate the battle scene to the natives. He's like, he has to imitate everything. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah, it's subtly hidden throughout the movie. I picked it up on the third watch. Very, very cool. It's, it's I like that. Well, this is part of part of the beauty of the podcast. <laughs> I want to be sold on some of this stuff. Because like I said, yeah. I, I do like... And you know the opening scene, how he's very theatrical with his hands Mm -hmm. throughout the whole, up until he walks out and he's waving to everyone, and when he's like, goes like this, you see her face? And he puts his hand over her face, talking about Pepe, it's because he doesn't... Very interesting. The language isn't there. The other thing I wanted to ask, too, is, do you consider this movie an achievement? Because I think it's been called an achievement a couple times as far as as what it did, but I I just, I don't look at this as an achievement. I think the fact that... It was a black and white silent movie in 2011 that made as much money as it did. That's an achievement. I that is an that. achievement. I, yes, I agree with that. But, but, it's, it's, but in terms, from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, did it go for that? N- I, no, I don't know. But I, but I feel like those are critics' words, not the film's words. Yeah, I think it did go for that. Is, you think is, so? Is, yeah, because the shooting it in like it's the an fra- achievement, the frames per second, and the not using zoom, and, and they were trying to shoot it. Like a like a, a 20s movie. But I, to me, it's like I, when you're trying to shoot something and recreate something when there was very little technology, to me, that's not a well, crazy great... A, a, it's yeah. not, not a crazy great achievement. You're just... You're downgrading the technology that you already have. It would be like if they're gonna, Disney's going to make an animated movie in the style of Snow White. It's like they can do that in an afternoon with all the technology they have now. So it's... It, yeah. Uh, but uh, also, it's, but it's, it also might be harder to use that equipment now because not everything is geared up geared up to it now it's like let's you know like let's say you try to put a track into your car it's lesser technology but it's mm-hmm. probably harder to use because you don't have the parts because it's not as accessible yeah interesting so the the first act of this movie guys where they're building him up and and we kind of said before this really is pretty much broken up into three clean acts yeah you have, yeah. You have him establishing him and his fame him the second act him being confronted with the conflict and, and dealing the with the third dropping out yeah picking up the pieces the first act to me, is super necessary. It's executed fine and it's presented well. It's just it's a little bit dull. Oh, disagree. I thought the first and third acts were the best. Is that right? Because yeah. I I pretty I pretty strongly feel the second act is the best. Oh, wow. I love the first act. I, I, love, I love the first charming. act a lot. Really? Charming. Okay. Because okay. it was just it was just a lot of fun. It was just I mean there's like nothing earth shattering about it, but it was just a really enjoyable. Huh. It was really enjoyable. Yeah, uh, you already you brought the word charming, and that is the best way yeah. to describe Jean Desjardins. Yeah. I mean, he is—he he is just—he's just—he's a, a good-looking guy with a big smile, and he's yeah. easy to watch on screen when he's up there. He makes you want to go ah, after everything he does and just clap. You know, he's great. Bernice uh, Bejo mm-hmm. plays Peppy Miller. Super, super beautiful. Yeah, just think, yeah. Really, really pops on screen. Captivating. And she's the director's wife. Yes. And in the in the speech, he really called her out and said that she was the inspiration and the the beauty of this film. And yeah. I totally took that out of the viewing. Is this just the, the camera loves her in this in she's, this film? She's beautiful. Clearly, hundred yeah. percent. From yeah. her first uh, thirty seconds on screen, she's like, "I'm a star," and she just acts like yeah. one. And, yeah. yeah. A beautiful woman, and she's from A Knight's Tale. She's the, she does, the love was, interest was, in A Knight's Tale. That was her Tale. first movie. She played the um, the princess's handmaiden. Oh, is, okay. So she yeah. wasn't the, the main love interest. No, but she no, she was. Um, but she was she was in it a lot though. I had you know that someone I know recently saw the artist and thought it was very reminiscent of A Star Is Born, and I yes. couldn't speak on that because I haven't seen A Star Is Born yet to your detriment. But. Yeah, and that and yeah. Well, there's there's one version of Star Is Born. There's a couple. Well, aren't they all the same story wise? 
it, they're working so. off the, the yeah. same general thing. And then there, there's kind of a an interesting because I, I definitely did got those vibes. Star, I, well, I definitely thought of Star Wars. It was, it was hard not to as far as the the, the storyline and sure. how it went. And that was another one that this kind of Old, played yeah. off a little too. Only only John Desjardins didn't piss himself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> Don't spoil that scene. <laughs> Now and, when that and, happens, well, I'm going to be like, I knew this was going to happen. I'm going to try to finagle myself out of contradiction here with this because I love The Star is Born and I think that that should have been the best picture winner of that year. But I thought they took a platform and a vessel there with Star is Born and they did it in a unique and thoughtful way with incredible acting, a super strong script, and just, just deep-rooted emotions in that movie and, and putting it in terms of today. And today being, I mean, that the movie's made in 2017, but pop music versus songwriting and, and where that's going in, in modern day time. I, I just didn't get that with this. this to me, just my problem with the artist is it just didn't do anything new other than the, other than the bold choice to make a, a silent film in 2011. Right. I just think a lot of the themes were, were run through. And Artie, that's a, a great point that I missed with the with the language barrier that's going to be when I, when I watch this movie again and it's a movie that's easily accessible too it, with streaming yeah it's on Netflix it was a clever way to make his theatrical hand motions and overacting in the first act yeah. make sense right. in right. retrospect because this, we, right because you think it's just him being a silent actor right right but it, there was a there was a necessity to his performance and yeah. I didn't realize that till the third watch and then I, I was like this movie has rewatchability I didn't even just I just picked yeah. up on that <laughs> <laughs> it took a it's, it's like a good album. takes a couple of listens to appreciate it. And the first act for me, I totally enjoyed way more the second viewing this week. Whereas the first one, it was, I was just having a, I was really having a hard time getting grasped. So you guys really liked the first act. What, what, what stood out? Well, my scene of the movie is from the first act, and it's when um, they're filming the movie, and uh, they keep on making bloopers, where he keep, where the, the he's, he's walking through, he's like dancing with 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 Peppy, and mm-hmm. uh, they either like talking. Or they're laughing, or something like that, and just the, re- and just and just kind of showed like a glimpse into the filmmaking process. I thought that was a really really clever scene, really fun scene. I really enjoyed that too because the first couple of watches, you're like, what the hell am I watching? What's he doing? And then you're like, oh, they're filming a movie. He's doing takes, and yeah, and you, didn't, like you didn't you didn't get that. No, the, the first, first time? time I saw him dancing with the guy and walking through, oh. and I'm like, what's going on? And then he went back and redid, oh, yeah. and I was like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. I love how the movie opens. In that electric oh, shock, it's you're instantly like, wait, what? The line of dialogues is, "I won't speak, I won't say a word." Right. Yep. That's his first. Yeah. Yep. And then just how it how it separates, and then you see the old time audience, and you see the orchestra in the theater. That really takes you back and puts you yeah. in into night. Just nineteen twenty nine. Twenty seven. Starts in twenty seven. Yeah. Okay. And it, you know, I watched it. My daughter saw the beginning of it, and she's five, and she goes, "Are we watching them watch a movie?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> I'm fascinated with the fourth wall. <laughs> Might be genetic since I break it all the time. <laughs> uh, there's also a great part in that where the movie ends. You see everyone backstage just like kind of waiting, and then they they hear the uh, and applause. They don't, you, don't, you don't see you don't see them react. You don't see the applause at first, but you hear you see their reactions. Like, okay, it's a hit. Yeah, and, wow. yeah. It's it's, it's great. Wouldn't you love to have John Williams in the theater with you while watching Jaws too? Like, da 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 da. Oh was, my god, I would but, love to watch a movie with, with the with symphony a real live in the front. Incredible. And I, I thought that with Mozart too. I'm like, when I go to Broadway plays, they should just have a symphony up front. Yeah, uh, Amadeus. Amadeus, yeah, yeah Mozart. Yeah, uh, um, I know John Williams did a, a couple of years ago, more than a couple. He did a um, 
like a week-long thing at Lincoln Center where they played all the music from the Star Wars movies. Every night was a different movie. And uh, I don't know if there was like in front of a screen or not, like we could watch the movie with it, but that must have been outstanding. Yeah, yeah. It, it just And just the size of the crowds, too. It's yeah, just well, very, it was, it was, you know, I mean, they're, they're, entertainment's obviously a little lacking back then. Yeah, but like... They're two wa- they're tiers wa- and... Watching, they're watching movies at Radio City. Like, it's we- yeah. it's so strange. Right. Yeah. It's so strange. Now you see the death tones at Radio City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, uh, Grant, you and I saw Tool. We saw Tool there. One, yeah. one of the best concerts I've ever attended. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. We were seniors in high school back then. Jesus. Wild stuff. Wild stuff. Um, what, James Cromwell as Clifton. What a warm presence in a movie James Cromwell is. He's I mean, what, is, yeah, he's, he's just endlessly likable. Even when he's like a villain, I feel like even you like a, having him in there. Even in L.A. Confidential, he's likable. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert. Really shit, spoiler alert. But, <laughs> uh, no, he's always likable. He really yeah, is. There's he's a, great in iRobot, too. Uh, I've only seen that once. He's just a, he's a calming presence in any movie he's in. He's very calming for being so tall. Yep, Usually yep. someone that tall is off-putting, but he's, yeah, he's he's great. Liked having him in here. I, I liked the Clifton character. I liked just showing the attachment and the the reach of of what a star has. And, and it's not, his career going down doesn't just affect him. Right. It, it affects his livelihood and, you know. I love the line. When was the last time I paid you? Uh, it's been at least a year. Yeah. He's like, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go get a job. And then shows him waiting outside and then. Yeah. Uh, it was almost like, uh, like again, if I take a if I could talk about one spot of time in Hollywood where Cliff Booth's livelihood mm-hmm. relies a lot on Leonardo DiCaprio's livelihood. Yeah, yeah a very, very parallel there. Yeah, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell also is in this movie for some reason. For like for thirty seconds. Interesting. I, like, I don't understand totally what's going. Like I don't know who he was. I don't right. know who his character <laughs> He's was. He's credited as the butler. Him in this movie is a, is an interesting choice because. His voice is like so his unique. his yeah. his major asset, you know. Like he's a voiceover like, type of guy. Not yeah. a, like you put him in a silent movie, and his face, you know, with all due respect, he's got like a Tuesday a Tuesday afternoon happy hour face, you know. Yeah. He's, he's got, like an afterthought in this movie. Yeah, it's it would it's it almost like putting Morgan Freeman in a silent movie. It's just right. like no, it's, <laughs> such a, it's such a misappropriation. Yeah, of at least let Morgan talent. speak. <laughs> it's all silent. silent, but he speaks, yeah. and everyone's just fine with it. Yeah, yeah. And then the, his show up <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, Vince. but uh, I mean I, I love Malcolm McDowell so oh, I like I like yeah. seeing him but you know what if Morgan Freeman was in a silent movie it'd be silent when he spoke but when the words popped up would he would his... read oh. them to you <laughs> let's make this movie right <laughs> the artist too <laughs> the free man it's called <laughs> what would be interesting to, to me is we just talked about like making a silent movie in 2011 I would like to see someone make a modern style Silent, silent movie, movie. like not like, one that looks like it came out in the twenties. One that looks like it comes out today. A silent movie, and, and well, Mel Brooks did that, right? Didn't he make silent? He made like a silent movie that took place in the that take place in the seventies. But aren't they all frustrated by the fact that they're silent in the movie? Like <laughs> I, they can, they want to talk. Yeah, I think I think it's it's kind of a meta. It's a meta. Yeah, thing. yeah, always. Yeah, but I mean, it would be interesting to see like a, a drama done like that. I don't know if it would be successful. The first the, thirty minutes of Wally is probably the closest thing. Yeah, <laughs> in the last like twenty years. Yeah. No Country for Old Men has a lot of silence in it. I feel like now, if they, they no one's going to be like, I'm making a full silent movie. Like, do as much of it as you want and have some things you need well, to that's, do. Well, I think that's, to the, make thing, it that's the thing now where it's almost like, if anyone tries to do it, it's going to be like, oh, it's just like the artist. What, this yeah, guy? but I think it would separate itself if, if it wasn't if it was shot a, like an old 
sure. black and white. So you're talking about like, saying, you're, you're talking like, like full, full color. Like a color, a, it, a modern looking movie. Have to be silent. super engaging. It would be. And, and you need to be like an it, action movie. It would have to be like the next Marvel movie. Yeah, 90 minute <laughs> silent Marvel movie where the Mandalorian makes an appearance, but there's no words, but everyone's drawn in. You run into that gimmick issue. Yeah. A little bit here. With a movie like The Artist, Birdman is another one that, that we covered. Grant, I know that you have some thoughts on, on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a gimmick. I think, I think the, the, the one-shot nature of it lends itself to the feeling like a, like a stage production, you know, because there's no cuts in a stage production, and also kind of shows the frantic nature of Reagan's breakdown. Yeah, and, and I mean, we'll probably get into this a little deeper in our rankings episode, sure. which will be out. Soon. Next episode, yeah, yeah that's our, our next episode. We're going to go through all 15 of the movies we covered in season two, and then the second part of that will be us going through the 30 that we've done all together. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be a, a big test. And that's going to be one of the things that comes up is, like, the gimmicky nature of these movies. And I thought that Birdman, which, already you have not seen Birdman yet. No. You will, by the time we're, we're, you hear from us next, you will have seen it. But there's deeper-rooted themes in there beyond the Hollywoody, to use it an RDB term oh the hollywoody nature yes. this is a hollywoody movie it really kind of is and yes you Bird, could and Bird. listen i'm i'm guilty as anyone in, in taking blood from the stone when it comes to, to themes and just reading into these movies way more than than you, you probably were even intended to but i just don't think that you can do that with the artist without coming up with the things that have already been covered in Sunset boulevard and singing in the rain yeah. and, and even stars born no no the, the themes and the themes and Birdman go way deeper than the themes in the artist. Yeah, there's like an, an existentialism. That that is too. just that that's just the way it is. But you know, a star falling from grace is a theme that's been used forever in in all drama, oh, all plays, all films. Yeah. So it's not like a crazy new idea, even with singing in the rain or anything. Well, if you look, look Black Swan would be another one, right? You know, the wrestler, Eve, yeah. the wrestler. Yeah. But it's how you do it, and if you're going to use the theme that's been done a bunch of times and then shoot it in a way that these movies that have already explored this theme do it, I start to just... Basically, let me put it this way. When we're ranking these movies, there's a Billy Wilder movie that we have to rank going up against a movie that's shooting it like a Billy Wilder movie and exploring similar themes of these movies. So it's like I'm going to definitely rank the Billy Wilder movie higher than the one that's pretending to be the Billy Wilder movie. If Sunset Boulevard was an Oscar winner, I'd rank it so much higher than The Artist. Of course. But I I think that that conversation has to come up when you're discussing what The Artist is and how it relates to these other 93 movies. Well, if you had recommended I watch Sunset Boulevard and not Singing in the Rain (laughs) this week, I would have watched Sunset Boulevard, but I had to watch Singing in the Rain. So here we are. Yep, that's a, there's a give and a take. Act one, anything else st- stood out for you guys with that? The, the, the rise of, of George Valentin. It's really not a rise of George Valentin. He's in his prime as we, as we go. I guess we, yeah. we, Augie the dog, we have to shout out a little bit. The, the gunshot trick was, is fantastic. It's, I was, that's, always, that's always a favorite of mine when dogs, when dogs do that. Augie's yeah. wonderful. And it comes back at the end to, to pay dividends. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, that's, that's the, well it, it pays off twice. Where George pretends to shoot himself in the head with his fingers, right? And the dog falls, right. and then when the gun goes off accidentally at the end, the dog. Yeah. My, and when we watched that, Kitty was like, no, but also, but also how he gets the police, the police officer's attention. Oh, sure, he yeah. lays on the ground. Oh, so it pays and off. The four, woman's it pays like, off, wait a minute, it pays off four times. Right, the, yeah. that trick really pays yeah. off. So Uggy plays Jack, the dog in, in the book, but it's it's actually three dogs. 
Augie is, is Augie is the main one. Oh, okay. And then uh, yeah, the other uh, Dash and Dude were the other dogs. So it's dude. Augie, Dash, and Dude. Buddy. But Augie was the main one, and the one that they, they like paraded out on the on the, the, the campaign trail on the red yeah. carpet. Yeah, they, he was he was the central one. Now oh. this is. I lost a little respect now for this dog. There's three of them. What does he have? Two stunt dogs. Uh, there's yeah, there's. I'm not into that. Three, it's like, it's like the Olsen twins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> might, have, might have to alter my notes right now. We we've talked about good dog acting before when we talked about we David, have David, David Lean's Oliver Twist, um, and this dog almost has Jeremy Renner syndrome to me. <laughs> yes, because because let, let me let me because in the in Oliver Twist. That dog felt like it was in the moment, and it felt like that dog was scrambling for his life. So, for the first time, listener, oh, okay. explain to us what well, Jeremy well, Renner syndrome is. It's, 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 it's Artie's brainchild. It is, Jeremy Artie, it is an Artie B phrase. When you are watching an actor and you don't see the character they're portraying, you just see the actor acting. Okay. Okay. So, let, so, so how does this dog so, uh, employing JRS? Yes, it's classic JRS with this dog, and because the whole time I'm like, okay, well, the dog is just doing tricks. The dog was taught these set of tricks, mm-hmm. and they say action, and then you can tell the trainers in the back saying, okay, well, do do the gun trick, you know, and then all that stuff. With Oliver Twist, the dog and Oliver Twist, like, I bought hook, line, and sinker that the dog was scared for its life at times. You know, that was probably Dash or Dude in the first act then, not, not I Augie. <laughs> Listen, it was, it was throughout the whole movie. It was throughout the yeah, whole movie. I, I Third thought, act, Augie's great. I thought that there was some emotionality to the dog when, when he's, <laughs> when he's was, grabbing the... When I'm, he's, he's yeah, grabbing his yeah, I'm, 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 I'm being a little facetious. You're just belittling Jeremy Renner in, 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 a, in a sarcastic tone. When he's barking at George Valentin when he's holding the gun, contemplating suicide. Yeah, that dog. I guy. He gave me the feels. He did a great job grabbing the pant leg. And, great and job. Panting. Yeah. He's, yeah, I thought I got vibes. He was don't do it. Don't do it. But I'll, I'll definitely say, Grant, that the dog in the David Lean Oliver Twist was that. That is probably un, the best. Un, some unmatched. of the best dog acting I've ever seen. Unmatched. Now I will say this too. A little, uh, a little, a little nugget for you here. Mm. In the first Academy Awards that they gave out. The award for best actor. There is precedence for a dog receiving votes in Rin Tin Tin, the original. This shows you how far Hollywood's it, come. Yeah, 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 the dog in Rin Tin Tin got votes for best actor. You, you missed the golden opportunity. You said, "Here's a little nugget." You said, "You could have said, here's a little dog treat,' or here's a little biscuit, <laughs> here's a little milk bone, a little yeah, a little milk bone for you, a little." A little biscuit. We are not sponsored by Milkbone. Great chance wasted. So it's super interesting to me that you got that you guys or already you said flat out you thought that the first and the third acts were your favorite. Yeah. Where I distinctly or, or for me, I, I Act Two was the most distinct part of this movie. Uh, him trying to, you know, I don't need the studio, I don't need John Goodman and and his whole deal. I'm can do this on my own. The starting with that influx with, of sound that they put into this movie, which, which I really liked a lot. And last week in the Sting episode, I went on a little rant about well, how this, I hate dream sequences. This was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what were your thoughts on this use of a dream? Sequence? I loved it. Okay. Yeah, it was honestly it was one of my favorite parts of this Be- movie. Because and it, I instantly was like, well, okay, here's here's how it works. Because it informs the plot. It informs why it's, it wasn't. It's not, it's not used as a misdirect. This is my scene of the movie, the dream sequence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because at first you don't know what's going on. You're like, wait, is the movie going to be sound now? Was it only silent for the first act? And but then he can't talk. Um, the whole way it was shot, the the sound editing throughout, him fumbling about the room, knocking stuff over, yeah. is, is so crisp. That's my scene of the movie. Right yeah, saw so, saw so a ton of Billy Wilder in this scene, a ton of Lost Weekend here. 
Yeah. Um, him, the, the, the biggest Lost Weekend moments here for me were, were this, which kind of brought me a lot to where Don Burnham's in his apartment shuffling around looking for, looking for that bottle. Looking for that bottle. Yeah. And then the other big one at the end would be the, the, the suicide and the running to the girl running to save him from the suicide. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is yeah. Um, which that, the misdirect with the bang and, and the apartment kind of, which is another Billy, Billy Wilder, a little bit of homage to that too. Peppy Miller gave off major vibes of the female lead in Lost Weekend. I can't remember her name. Just uh, like Helen. trying to save this guy, take yeah. care of him in spite of himself. Yes. She gave off major yeah. vibes of Helen. The usage of sound here, it, it could it could have gotten into it that break fourth wall, annoy Goofy. Yeah, it, it just the little, you know, the little glass on the glass. It, it, you jolt, you but, jolted as a as a yeah. as a viewer. Yes, but even yeah. like when he like yeah, he's knocking everything down, and when he gets up off his chair, you don't hear him shuffling. You just hear the chair sliding back and tumbling over. Like all of his sounds are. Are taken out, but he can't make noise. He can't make noise. Total metaphor for his career at yeah. that point. Yeah, it's great. There's been a lot of talk on the side here about, oh, I can't wait to hear what your line of the movie is for the artist. That was kind of a, a joke that was was going around. Yeah. I had no problem picking the quote. I had, yeah, I have, I have a good quote. Mine's mine's right around this point of the movie. Mine is two. I wonder if we all have the same one. I think this is a no. one we probably could. Mine is a John Goodman quote. Okay, it's not mine. No? Okay. So I'll, I'll go right now, because this is right here when he is, when George is coming to the realization that he's not a star anymore. It's, right. we're going with talkies and, you know, your thing of the past. And uh, John Goodman's character says, I wish it wasn't like this, but the public wants fresh meat and the public is never wrong. That was almost my line of the movie, because it is a, a wonderful line. Yeah. It's fantastic. Fantastic. And so this, this screenplay gets nominated for screenplays, the shortest screenplay ever nominated for the award. Tremendous screenplay. Uh, so okay, so you agree? You you like that it was recognized? Imagine reading a screenplay where there's no dialogue. You're reading the description of the movie, so it must be very visual and yeah. super engaging yeah. to have been purchased and you know made into a movie that was so successful. It had to be a wonderful screenplay. The shortest screenplay to be nominated for any major award. Also impressive. Yeah, correct. that's impressive yeah. in and of itself. There was like a, a a way of shooting this movie with the frames per second. They did a little lower to make it like a sound film. Yeah, the Hollywood Land sign though. They're using they're using CGI visual effects there for that. Okay, whatever. Is it okay? Are you okay with them cheating a little bit here? Uh, yeah. To do I don't it with, care. I don't care when it feels. Did you notice that without looking it up though? I definitely wondered how they did it right. when I was watching yeah, the I'm, film. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, I, I just think as if you if you're gonna tout something as oh we're using these authentic way of filming and this and that the use of oh, visual effects only, 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 a little bit. Nah, I'm okay that doesn't bother you. Only no. alternative I would I would think would be appropriate is is doing a miniature. Because you're not going to sit around a table. Like, imagine yeah. we were making a movie, and it's like, do you guys want to use CGI, or do you want to go install four massive structures on the side of a mountain <laughs> well, so we can get a one-second <laughs> right. clip for our movie? Like, that's not happening. So, to the point of this movie being a comedy, I did find a lot of parts of it funny. Uh, the, the scene in Tears of Love, the movie he writes, directs, and stars in, at the very end, he's sinking in quicksand, and his last words are, Goodbye, Norma. I never loved you. <laughs> and then he dies, and she's just left sitting at the side of the quicksand like, what? <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Like, what a way to end it. I want to get to that, that whole movie theater scene in a second, but I want to transition into it through the, the restaurant scene. And we talked about the stair, the shot of the stairs 
Yeah, because he leaves. Not, he not leaves enough Goodman's, in detail. I yeah, don't he. Think. All right, so he leaves Goodman's office and passes. And after he gets fired, yeah, he's walking downstairs. It's a blatant she's, metaphor. She's ascending as of in course. pure. They're with, all wearing white with everyone moving descending. around them. Yeah. Yep, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's blatant. It's pretty black and white it's right blatant. there for you. Yeah, but the, the pulling back and and that. That shot there, it very looked, Hitchcock. It looked like a Wes Anderson movie or something. Yep, that yeah. shot was right. It yeah. was just a big symmetrical still yeah. shot. Yep. Yeah, and and there was definitely a little Hitchcock in there. In sure. There too. Yeah. But throughout the whole movie, there was another another guy. And we, Ari, I don't know if he's, did you did did you see his his speech? No. He says in the speech, "I'd like to I'd like to thank three people: Billy Wilder, Billy Wilder, and Billy Wilder." Oh wow! That was the yeah. last thing he said before. That was the um, the best picture. That was best, speech that's what he won for best picture. Yeah. yeah. We get into the scene in the restaurant. Cromwell and uh, Desjardins are at the table, and then the table next the, to them. The night before the premiere, they're doing their own little podcast in the table. There, yeah. <laughs> they're asking her about being a star, and he obviously over overhears her. Another wonderful line. Yeah, I, I have yeah. made way for you. There is a, a, a great left-to-right setup on the screen there yes. with that, where it's moving left-to-right. You see it's Cromwell into Desjardins, into Pepe Miller, into the, the media and the press and the people, right. and you can see the segue of, 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 how, of how it works. The people, or the public, who is never wrong, they're always in the front. They're always what's next. They're always going to tell you what's next. Sure. And we're going to transition from the old star into the new star, into whatever they're going to tell you what the right. next one is. Really cool shot. Anyone who's ever who's ever been talking and had someone overhear, overhear what they're saying, that's always... Oh, so talk, yeah, you're talking shit about yeah. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can always cringe during that moment. We've all, we've all been there at least once in our lives. I thought this is where she shined the most as an actress in this entire movie. Okay. This scene into the next one. Because to show that emotion of not just embarrassment... Because, again, anyone who's talking shit about someone, they overhear it, that you're going to have that, uh-oh, yeah, they yeah. heard me. She really didn't mean it. No. It she, was a talking point she that was, the stars of the time say. Yeah, she was playing it up. It was yeah. a script. She was, she was as hurt as he was. And this is a movie where you can only do it through facial expressions, right. of course. Really, really great acting. You know, I don't even know. What, I don't even know what that is, or, or, or what quality you have to have as an actor to, to just have your Sin- face read. Sincerity. Yeah. yeah, and and moving to her, the theater, and and boy, the theater scene just. If there's if there's one part of this movie that really emotionally affected me, and only one part, it, it's that theater scene. Where the the like, work like and the people. sweat. Yeah. That he puts into it. You mean her face watching the movie? Well, just like uh, no one's him, there. Well, him too. Him yeah. too. Him to the empty theater, to the and forget about the stakes that they created up into that. Well, if the movie's a success, yeah. then we'll be okay. Otherwise, we're, we're screwed because the stock market went down and, and all that. Didn't even need that because it. The finances were what they were. The the lack of success for what he put in to it hurt him more than being broke. And I love the check montage. Cool, yeah, a cool great. device of yeah. the, to the checks passing. This is this is time passing. This is the production of the movie, and this is how much fucking money I'm putting into this yeah. shit out of my own pocket. It's like Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, very his, very. <laughs> <laughs> his character is a wonderful arc from beginning to end because at first he seems shallow, like a narcissistic showman who like just any star wants to be a yep. star, yeah. but he's not. He's realistic too because then he transitions into he he becomes more human as the movie goes on. I think this is a good time to ask this question. Desjardins wins for best actor here. Merited? Yep. You, you I think, think so. Both he of you is, guys he's are strong. Yeah. Man. He's so I awesome. came into today severely questioning this and wondering if he really did enough in this movie to earn accolades like that. And as as often these podcasts do, as we have the conversation, my feelings start to shift and I start to gain a little perspective on it. 
and just in having that conversation about uh, about the Peppy Miller character, there is an element beyond just the talking with your hands and talking with your actions and the, the typical silent star yeah. approach. There is an emotionality to the face, and I'm, I'm not... When we get into the other nominees at the end of the episode, we'll talk a little bit about who we went up against in, in that. And I think if you look at him versus all of the other Best Actor winners, I don't think he's like on the upper scale of things. Yeah. After I watched, watched it for the first time, I was thinking, is it more or less impressive that he's not talking? But I, I kind of quickly landed on um, it's more impressive. The fact that you're, you're having the audience feel exactly what you're feeling without cumbersome dialogue, without without using, like, just using your face. That's difficult to do. You don't have anything intelligently written for you to work with, and you have to approach overacting and kind of walk up to a fine line. Like, mm. you have to be theatrical and dramatic. Yeah, and, without overacting. And very facial without being a caricature. A and caricature. I, I will say this, he does not overact nope. in this movie. When he's doing the movies, he overacts. But when he's not doing the movies, yeah. he's much more uh, reserved. Right. Which is excellent. Uh, also showing showing the two facets of it. Yeah. On, yeah. on the other side of that argument, though. Mm-hmm. The wrong side? <laughs> <laughs> the devil's advocate. So to play devil's advocate. There, there's, there's a lack of weightiness to the material here. A little no, bit, though. Sure. And it's, it's a bit of a simple performance. I mean, we're not really... There was a lack of emotion. Like I said, the, the one scene there in the theater was where that really got to me a little bit. I'm also like a little bit of a sucker for small business and people going out on a limb financially and emotionally to put something they care about out. When it fails, that hurts every time. When I see, every time I see yeah. a restaurant close or a bar close or any kind of business close, there, there's a part of me that dies inside. You know? like, so, I, would uh, add, I would add the scene where he gets very distraught and burns the films and, and becomes suicidal. Like those two scenes are very good acting. Like he doesn't have lines to work with. He's alone. And he, he's very good. He's not... I don't think he's overacting. I think he does a great job. I really think this is a, a merited... Thoughts on that one, a, a scene, A scene like that that could have been overacted like it was in Citizen Kane. The scene where... I love that. I know, I, I know but, it's, but, it's, but it's so... But it's like... It's it's almost like someone in like the backstage of WWE like, like ruining somebody's locker room. Flipping over the buffet yeah. table. So like... And it was... It was it was a little bit. It was a little bit like that, but it was it was done in a more controlled, a, approachable way. I want to say. But you're again relatable though, it, way. to go back to the relatable. cover song mentality with it. Though is you're doing something that's been done in famous film before. Yeah, though, but it, so did, but it did it better. You don't have to overact it because it's been well because you don't have to. It's already that that's, that footprint has already been left. People have seen it. So now you're just doing it in a more subtle way because you're letting the memory of it do the acting uh, for you. I'm gonna hey, your favorite. Hey, I, okay, I'm gonna strongly. Uh, feel that the people in 2011 who went to the cinema to see this didn't all know Sunset Boulevard and Singing in the Rain. I mean, not all of them. Of course not all of them. Years, when I saw this movie for the first time, I hadn't seen those 2011 movies. 2011 is 31 years after 1980. You know what I mean? How many people do you know at our, our age who have seen Singing in the Rain and Sunset Boulevard? Yeah, I mean, but again, when I first saw The Artist, I had not seen any of those right. movies. And I liked it a little more than I liked it this time around. You know, and... Right. To me, because after seeing those movies, I'm just kind of seeing what he did here. And I just got, going back to the Joker thing, I know you said that wasn't a great, you didn't think that that was a perfect analogy, but to me, it's like someone who has never seen Taxi Driver is going to see the Joker and think it's this amazing character study when it, it not only is it thematically doing what Taxi Driver did, it's also stylistically kind of doing what Taxi Driver did. Well, I saw the Joker before I saw Taxi Driver. 
and I liked it. And then I saw Taxi Driver, and then I saw The Joker again, and went, meh, I don't really like this anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, with, but with this, I saw this, I, and then I saw Singing in the Rain, I and then I saw this, and dis- I liked this more. I don't dislike The Joker. I really, I'm not, I know it's, th- that movie has already aged poorly for some reason. Uh, people are, are very it, down on it right it now. It aged quickly. Yeah, it aged quickly. It did. I don't hate it as much as a lot of people hate it. I, I am okay with, with The Joker. I, I, I like what it did. I, I think that Todd Phillips was paying more homage than he was ripping off. Which is, I think, what the artist is doing too, and I'm okay with that as long as that we are under an understanding that that's what that movie is. That Dog Day Afternoon, Cuckoo's Nest, Taxi Driver, as as we said, they yeah. all got there first and did this first, and he is recognizing that King of Comedy. It's hard to watch the artist and and not keep that in mind. And, and, and yeah, when we're I, talking about the but, weight, the weight, and the value. I mean, I I so I saw Sunset Boulevard like a month before seeing the artist okay the so that's time. a great that's a great study and it felt more like it was like oh yes this is very because they because they deal with the same things thematically but the artist didn't feel the artist felt fresh to me mm-hmm. even though i just saw sunset and you recently was, watched singing in the rain i saw singing in the rain be, um yes actually i saw singing in the rain before i watched okay. the artist also you can tell it's like oh yes there's plenty of influence plot wise it's a it's lot carbon coffee. There's a lot of there's a lot of influence there, but it's I, I I don't feel like that the it was done in such a way where the artists like felt unoriginal. I still I still think it feels like an original film that is heavily influenced by. That's unoriginal is interesting. Is that, I guess I am saying it's unoriginal. If, if I'm saying it's not, I don't. My problem with the artists is it's really not doing anything new. It's rehashing things that most people haven't seen because they're so old, and it's putting it. And I like that it puts it in the, in the in a modern zeitgeist. I, I I like that. But I'm saying if we're ranking it versus the other movies, mm. and I know that's not the goal of what this episode is. But uh, you know, a week from now we're going to be doing that, so it's hard for me to not gear up for that. I just think you have to. We're literally going to be ranking it up against the Billy Wilder movie. It, yeah. It, when you put the two in the ring with each other it's not gonna go more than a round oh, sure. you know, like it's just not it's I, I feel like the I feel like the best way to put it and I don't know if this makes it better or worse in your eyes that this movie is a love letter to that era and it's a love letter to those movies it is it certainly and is I, I don't and know, that was I don't clear know, in hearing him talk about it I, I don't know if, I don't know if that makes things better or worse for for you but is the Joker that. not a love letter to 70s counterculture movies Oh, it definitely is. So why do, why does that get such a why does that get? Well, we already you said you because can't it, even watch it. I, I think I think it's because of the subject matter. It's uh, it's a difficult subject matter to watch. I think the 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 template's a little obviously copied. Mm-hmm. The template, like the the story points, yeah, like, almost like the yeah yes the, the main story points, the main plot points, the main character turns. Is I, I see that with the artist with the artist too. I, yeah. The matter like, of perspective. Like, like, I mean, like, would you would you have felt this way if the Joker had won? The Oscar? I, yeah. Yeah? Oh, okay. yeah. Are you saying, like, would, would I be as hard on the Joker as I'm being on yeah. the artist? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I would probably be harder because, again, I think the artist is a little tighter artistically, so for lack of a better right. term. Like, I, th- I think it's, it it knows exactly what, the artist knows exactly what it wants to be. And that's yeah. and that's a major credit of the movie. Right. It's, I, I question as to exactly who this movie is for, but Artie, when we got here today, you just said, like, but what? When I, when I was watching this movie, I looked in and said, is anybody throwing the artist on? Like, is anybody just, like, scrolling through and they're like, oh, the artist, I'll watch this. And Artie, you got here and you said you, you, you had I a buddy. I ran who... into a friend today and I told him I was recording this episode. And he goes, I just watched that movie, like, two days ago. It's and, so funny And he was like, that. I don't even know why. I just saw it. Just popped it on. Like, yeah. Wow, he, well, there you go. He's like, it came, it came up as suggested. I popped it on. He's like, I loved it. It's wonderful. I was like... <laughs> 
And when you I, said that, and I walked in he, today, I'm like, wow, that answered one of the questions that I'm going to be asking. Today. And he's the one who suggested that it was just, he's like, isn't it just like A Star is Born? And I was like, I haven't seen that yet. But you said you got it's, the same vibes. It's a movie that I probably wouldn't watch the whole thing, but I would watch, I would watch a good amount of it. Just be like, yeah, it depends on what, like, if it was the first act, definitely. I would, I would watch the first act over and over again. Because I, I, it was just very enjoyable. I'd leave this movie on. You know, this movie's kind of cool right now because we all have different feels on it. Like, yeah, similar it is, but different. It, it, this has definitely been an interesting conversation. For now, we're, I have a question. Do you think the are you kind of bitter that the artist is getting an Oscar when Sunset Boulevard and Singing in the Rain didn't? Do no, you feel like it's stealing no, the Oscar. Not, that's okay. not. That's all right, not. Just at wondering. All. Yeah, just that's wondering. not at all. I'm. I'm. Again, I like the artist. I don't dislike the artist. I am just questioning its its greatness compared to the other Best Picture winners. I. I yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to put some some understanding in whether this movie is going to be in the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, and that's what we're talking about the one to 92. I'm trying to figure out where that's going to be, and, okay. and my mm-hmm. reaction watching it this time around was not great. The conversation that we're having right now is helping me put some things into perspective, okay. opening my eyes to certain things. So it, it, that's why we do this. That's what this it's whole the, of the podcast that is what this whole <laughs> thing is based on. So there's been another Oscars. We're one to 93 now. That's right. That's Ooh. we should we should call out to that. Nomadland has won uh, has won Best Picture, and we That's are right. now one to ninety three officially. This gives us an extra week of content. That's exactly <laughs> right. Sure, Chris G is thrilled. One more movie to watch. <laughs> Chris Throw G, what out of the pile? Chris G has uh, like eleven days to watch eleven Best Picture winners. Oh, he'll he'll be quadruple featuring uh, Gentlemen's Agreement, Amadeus. <sighs> Uh, cavalcade and if he watches Gentleman's <laughs> Agreement and Cavalcade in the same episode that's a tough day what do you think the odds are you get a text that just says I quit <laughs> oh there's definitely at least a 25% chance of that. <laughs> it's just, it just taps out <laughs> I can't do it man I'm done I can't do it so Grant you said that you said that if the first act was on you would absolutely leave it on but does that yeah. mean you'd leave the whole movie on because it's interesting to no, you just it, when it, we get to the end of the first act, that's it. I'm done. Like, oh, as no. soon as he walks out of the, is that the a great quality of a as, movie? No, <laughs> no, but if it's no, but if, if it's because because in my opinion, the se- the second act does drag a little bit. Wow, that's so interesting I, to me. That was because my vibe. I too, yeah, love initially. the second act. Dra- at first, I wasn't sure if it was the second or third act that like I was because like by the end of it, I was like, all right, let's kind of move it along to the end a little bit. I wasn't sure where that lost me if it was the second or third act. Then the second watch, I was like, oh, yeah, I know. The second act, they can trim it out a little bit. Well, we're at the third act now. No, I, I know. It, you know what it and is? A big, uh, some of it, the, the, Clif- the Clifton stuff after he got fired, like, that could have been cut with him waiting outside. I understand what they're trying to say well, with I it. Like, I like that, too. I know, but, like, I like that it, it a lot, was, yeah. but it wasn't, like, wholly necessary. For the, and when you're dealing with a silent movie, you have to be really concise with cutting things out, making it as kind of as yeah. quick as possible. Yeah. And I feel like dwelling. I feel like dwelling on that scene... They could have shaved off a minute or two. Well, uh, we're forgetting a major character in this movie. We haven't so. spoken about his wife. We have not, and that's right here Doris. in the thick of that's moving into the third act. Is is pretty much Doris. What, what well, do you Do-Doris have to say about uh, old Doris? Natasha, no, Doris, <laughs> <laughs> no Doris. All she does is deface Variety magazines. <laughs> I mean, all she gonna... does, she just colors mustaches. She's just, she's just she's like. Just, Makes she's gr- a grimaces. She's a bored homemaker. Uh, You're gonna just... leave this guy so, via letter. Do you have to miscolor his teeth in the picture oh, that you left the like, note on like, too? Like, like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, that was like me. That was like being sixth grade with like history textbooks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Yeah, it was just it was that was in, I mean, this was back in the first act. It was interesting their their montage of them just like their dinner scenes are great. Yeah, just like quietly having dinner, just not talking to each other, not not acknowledging each other. And I love yeah. that you, you're watching a silent movie, but you know those scenes are silent, but it's a different silence. It's, it's a, a thick, tense it's silence. It's a thick silence. Yeah. yeah, there's girth to that silence. And, and in regards to the acting too, uh, I know Cromwell said that he. Well, as far as he's concerned, it wasn't a silent movie. He was just acting. He was speaking yeah. and talking, and they were they shot all the scenes like yeah. they'd shoot any scenes, but they just played classical music while the oh, that's while the scenes were being acted. Oh wow! Was it the score, or was it just classical music? It wasn't necessarily the score. Okay, yeah, the score. You want to touch on that? I it's a, it's a major this, part of this, this movie. A, isn't this a interesting story? The guy who made it. I don't know the story. Yeah. So the the guy who is credited with winning the original score had no classical composing. Uh, training, and this is a very classical yeah. score. He had three people help him, and I'm wondering if they really deserve the credit for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because uh, you can't compose this with no classical training, like without some help. The the score of the artist is asked to carry a very very heavy load. I think it's a great score. Yeah, I, I think it. I think that the movie, if the score was, if the score wasn't, if the score wasn't this good, the movie would have fallen apart. It's like it's like Jurassic Park without the. No, score. No, okay, all no. right. So you help me with my next sentence. It's not a great score. It's it's not an all time great score. Jurassic Park is an all time great score, and th- and that is the difference between this and that. I meant the purpose like, it served. It, it it needed to do a lot. Like Jaws, it needed to do a lot. Well, okay, I'm not saying it's as good Jurassic as those. Park, I'm just saying the though, purpose, the the function. Jurassic Park, which I consider one of the one of the greatest scores, there, that Completely does agree. more than it's asked of. This Fine. this movie does exactly the score does exactly what it's asked of. It doesn't really do much. It doesn't need but, to do much more. Well, I'm not saying uh, it doesn't. The score carries the entire movie. It's, yeah. it's asked to carry the movie. Though. Yeah, but I'm saying you don't you don't but it's asked. But what's asked of it is more than any other score. Could you whistle a tune from the movie right now? No. Pennies from heaven. I have one note written that says pennies right. from we're, heaven. We're going to do, no, do, <laughs> do the we're going to do the pennies from heaven thing. But now uh, because but we're I, here. But but, but I, I think I think a score like that is because the because the movie is wrapped up in the score. The score is basically the dialogue, it, it, and 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 it's a it lot sets, is asked it's, of it. But it set, it sets it sets the tone and. Because they're not "quote unquote" bangers, it doesn't doesn't mean that it's not a very effective. So score. I think the quality saying... of an all time great score, there has to be some the the, the, the melody has to stay with you. Like, are you for are you saying great. it's an all time great. great score? I'm not. I don't think it's the music is great, but I think it's but I think it was so much was asked of it that it was important. It was it, it, it was, was really... certainly important yeah. to the movie. Yeah, and it was yeah. Like I said, it was it carried a heavy burden. It was asked a lot of and it, and it was. It was wonderfully executed within the film, and I'm not taking anything away from it. But I just don't think it's an all-time great score, as far as what we're just, you know. Listen, the, the the Godfather starts, and you hear five notes, and you go, "Oh, this is an all-time score. I'll never forget this." Yeah. It, it's I'm, not that. I've been on microphone saying I think that's the best score I, I, of all time. I yeah. think that's number one. So I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. And Jurassic Park's probably number two. <laughs> I, you know, what I mean, like it's right there. Could you imagine Jurassic Park without the music? I just couldn't even imagine I, the movie without the music. So I've always said my mom is a wonderful film critic. The first time we ever saw Jurassic Park, she laughed and goes, "The music makes that movie." And <laughs> I, 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 I was like, "What an interesting comment!" And then I saw it again, and I was like, "See, she knows what she's talking yeah. about." Yeah, and I don't listen. I don't want to be a dick. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking away from. It's a great score. Yeah, it's a great score. It deserved its Oscar win. It's not. And it's not an all-time score. It's not. No. It's not. And but I just, but I a lot of us asked of it, and it did it. It did. It did. 
It did. It's, a, a, it's a very strong win right. for best score. Right. It's a very strong win. If it won no other awards this year and the artist wasn't the story, but it won score, I'd be okay with that. A lot was asked of it. It's, it's a very. Yeah, it's, it's a very. You think about it this way, because we've we've talked about John Williams and how over the top he can be at certain points. Oh, oh yeah. Do you th- super fan? Do you do you think <laughs> the family guy gets as about? Do you think? Do you think John Williams John Williams scoring this movie would have worked? That is a great question. I don't think it would. I I don't think he's not up to the task. I don't think his standard stuff would have would have done it. Right. Like, da 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 like, no, that's not... But. I don't know how to answer that question. I don't think that you That is would. a great question. Um, Do you I, think he's, I, I think he's capable of it. Well, I... Marty, what you just said, he's certainly... That's not his stick, He's certainly up to the test. Yeah, that's not his stick. He scored Schindler's List beautifully. And, like, you know, but... Yeah. Great example to, right there. But to, yeah. do, but to do an hour... Let's say out of... It's an hour and 40-minute movie, an hour, of, an hour and 20 minutes, at the least, is all score. Do you think he could... Without that, being redundant, well, this or movie's over, redundant or, or, a little. Or over the top, it, it has to be a little over the top. This score is a little over the top. It's very um, whimsical and, and I, I think and, and but it, it's. I think this movie works best with an unknown entity doing the score. Yeah, which is which. I also can say the same about both lead actors. I don't think you can have George Clooney come in and play the Desjardins role. Oh, I could, it would have been a you, you, would just say, oh, have, George Clooney. you need to have someone who's unfamiliar yeah. to at least the American audience. I mean, I've, I've only seen I've only seen him in this movie and his small role in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. That's the only thing I've really seen him in. He's in Wolf of Wall Street. He was the Swiss banker. Oh wow! Yeah, dropping knowledge, a little knowledge bomb for you. And right he was my uh, he Grand was my recast. Special. He was my recast in the. Uh, American in Paris episode too. Yes. Our loyal listeners may remember. He started as a stand-up comedian. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sting playing in the background. There you go. We'll just take a pause while this the ice cream. This is our A little homage to the sting as the ice cream truck rolls by. Here's the hook. Sorry, I'm late. I was taking a crap. <laughs> Yes, that is an authentic ice cream truck rolling by. Is that like a Mr. Softy? What's the deal? As we're talking about scores, by the way, and, and the, the Sting yeah. score took a beating last week. You know what, though? Like, fuck that, though. Because, like, we, we there, there's been such there have been so many things where, like, the Halloween score wasn't nominated because, like, it, it referenced too many other songs or something. Yeah, well, they well they the, the award was different that I I know <laughs> the award was different that year. Like, it was it was like it was yeah. like Halloween was like five adapted years, score. Halloween was five years later. Fuck out of that. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that <laughs> adapted at all. Adapted score. No, no, thank I, you. I just else, I want to say too though. You know what else won for best score is the Joker. That's a good Great score, though. Yeah. Score. I was just doing a little digging on John Dujardin, and uh, so the character in this movie, not speaking English, he had to start learning English because he knew this movie was going to be successful and had to do interviews. He doesn't speak English. Wow. Oh, wow. So all the silent acting he's doing during this movie, he is not, funny? he's mouthing English. Wow. He's mouthing yeah. the right way, but he doesn't speak English. Very interesting. Shifting into the third act here, this, Artie, you said you, you dug the third act a lot. Yeah. It was, yeah. This, Very emotional. This was the part for me that that was rough. Like I third act, a lot of the emotional beats miss me. I, I don't know what, what what were your what, what did you like the most about it? I like the kind of weird, almost sort of like psych out twist that she might be a psycho because she has all his stuff. Uh, yeah, in the house. I thought that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, and they, they kind of allude to that a little bit in the beginning, too. She's got major red flags the whole movie. Yeah, with the... Um, She's, like, making out with the coat. Well, the, that part is actually oh, really cool, though. I love that scene. With the I hand. knew you I would. I knew you so would. Cool. Yeah. It was so cool. It was... It, it was so clever. It Very, was clever. It was visually great. It was, I thought it was super sexy. It's like from a, another yeah. movie. He paid homage to is a it? movie with what, that. What yes. movie is that from? I, was it from Le Petit Croissant? No, Oui, Oui, Monseigneur. Monsieur. No, Monseigneur. It's a, it's a fake word. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a real word mispronounced. But I guess I can't. Monseigneur in, in French. Monseigneur. <laughs> it's an homage to another movie yeah. where someone does that with the coat. Um, yeah, very, very cool. Oh, interesting. Okay. But it was it was an interesting scene. I just thought it's a red flag. You walk in on someone making out with your coat, pretending it's you. It's it's a little it's a little uh, fatal attractiony. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little yeah. fatal attractiony. And then she buys all his stuff, you know. So I it, she well part, she did that because she felt sorry. for I her. know, yeah. but like there was a watch in there where I thought I got weird vibes. I was like, this kind of weird. Well, supposed and then to he get, storms out. He's like, supposed to get weird. I mean, you, you are right. I mean, uh, when when he stormed when he stormed out of that room, it was. I don't know if it was because he felt creeped out or it was just like he felt so ashamed. Yeah, this he is where it got so, very so, stars borny. He felt so embarrassed, you know, about like everything going belly up. Yeah. See, I do think there was some emotional stuff in the third act. So it didn't yeah, hit no, for you. No, but it I, just I, didn't. I, the beat didn't hit for me because, it, first of all, I get this such Citizen Kane vibes everywhere for this mm-hmm. one in the third act. The whole, the whole auction, the whole. That, that seemed like the reveal of the. Of of all his stuff in the yeah, in, his, in the attic, it just, I just sled. got yeah. It was it was definitely it was given off big, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing that it was giving off Citizen Kane vibes, but it's just like we're now into the fifth movie that's being projected here within this movie. I'm starting to these are pretty good movies to pay homage to it, if you're going to make a great. movie. You know? And it's yeah. and it's well it's well done. I'm just saying the emotional beat didn't hit me. Because oh. of that, I think, and then again, the stars born. Because it, yeah, I love the music. It took, it took you out. Of, it took you out of it. You mean kind of thing where you, you, it, a little bit. It was you were so preoccupied with the movies that it was it was a little bit. Homage to that. Okay, a little bit. And again, okay. the first time I saw this before I had seen any of those movies, it's it hit you different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very Hitchcockian music too during the uh, mm-hmm. reveals of what's under the the, sh- the sheets. Yeah, you know what though, and the, and the weird actually, angles, the the, the slanted yep. angles. That's Citizen, yeah, Citizen Kane. Yeah, like that. I actually liked the Hitchcock homage the most because it was the. It, I thought it was the subtlest. Yeah. It was I thought it was just it was, it was downplayed, downplayed and, yeah. and 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 very wise because you don't want to go you don't want to go obvious with you Hitchcock don't want, you stuff. Don't go then full, then that's when this turns you don't want to go full Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, like uh, <laughs> Tropic Thunder, <laughs> or like the Psycho remake that would be going for uh, it. Shot for shot remake with Vince Vaughn and Anne Hache. Like yeah. the, oh, uh, Gus Van Sant, Bill Bill oh, Macy, Gus Van Sant. The twist with the with the suicide and the the bang that was and the cool. car that crashing. Was cool. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. I liked it. I liked it. The dog barking at his leg too, and it was was awesome. Love the room. Also, the set design, the set, the set production is really, it, is really, really great in this movie. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Whereas something like I had to think a little bit about Mank when I saw this, this okay. too, it, just because there's in in some ways they're attempting to accomplish the same sort of at least for the production side of it, where you're recreating '30s Hollywood. Right. There's something about the set designs I liked more in this than in Mank. I, I don't, and and this is ten years, you know, ten years prior to that. Yeah. I'm trying to find the right way to say this. That's where aping these movies and and paying homage as we said to these movies that fucking worked because yeah. it looked like those movies and that's not so easy to do right. and so so that's i'm answering my own question that i asked a little early on is like is this an accomplishment 
it's there it's an accomplishment okay. the, the, the camera work even the score like that stuff to me that's not so hard to do in the sense of you're just kind of just modernizing some things that were done with lesser technology years ago but to to rebuild these set designs and make it look like it was in that time that right. really worked in this movie to, okay. to the point where you don't even think about it while you're watching it you're just you're transformed there okay. so yeah set design was great we missed this we missed this here we gotta go back rewind a little bit Pennies from Heaven, the one song in this movie. Artie, you want to uh, lead us with Pennies from Heaven? That talk about shoehorning, like <laughs> they shoehorn the verse and oh, shoehorn oh, the loves, chorus. Artie B loves shoehorning. If you don't know what shoehorning is, it's when they jam more syllables than are comfortable for the human ear to listen to in a set amount of, of musical beats. Pennies from Heaven. Pennies from Heaven. When I'm walking down the street, there's just a bunch of pennies from heaven. Yeah, and like if the finger snapping doesn't go with anything, you know, it's, it's, it's shoehorning. When I when I saw this, I'm like, oh, this is a song from Elf. <laughs> is it? For, is well, it no, it's it's a it's a it's a different it's a different version. Version of it. Oh, okay, when, when yeah. Will, when Will Ferrell's running through the city for the first time, kind of experiencing the awe of. Is that the Sinatra version? In the, no, in Elf? it's it's. it's uh, I, I don't I don't know yeah. what version is, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot better than this one. Yeah, this is a weird version. You know what this reminded me of. As we're going to do a little South Park reference here. The, the, the tap dancing episode with you got something, something in my pocket. Something in my front pocket for you. You're going to scream what it is. Yeah. The, uh, and, and, That's great. And an undersold South Park episode. Genius South Park episode. The You Got Served episode. The You Got Served episode. Genius South Park episode. Randy teaching, uh, Stan teaching. <laughs> Square dancing. Randy teaching Stan about. Square dancing. Yeah, just about being and, served. Yeah. And Butters having tap dancing trauma because his tap his, his tap shoe flew off his foot and like, killed, killed all these people. Killed 30 people. <laughs> <laughs> no, whatever. Oh, God. Something in my front pocket. A, a, true, a true classic. Uh, the, Pennies I, from Heaven. I did. I did like that montage. Though. Yeah, I like. I like the montage a lot. And we get uh, another camera trick too. Is when like the the screen zips down into that little hole. We mm-hmm. saw that in Sting also. Sting of the Departed. And, uh, <laughs> that was the, the Departed. In the, was in the Departed. Yeah, a couple what times. What scene of the Departed? Yeah, the pinpoint. Scorsese uh, likes that. He does it. Where uh, it's in the Aviator too. Where they, uh, I think it was after Queenan died and Matt Damon was alone in his office. It kind of zoomed in on him. Yeah, it, it started. No, it started well, pinpoint and zoomed out. Well, there was it did it twice. It did. I right. think it zoomed in on him, and then it zoomed out on someone in the city street. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. Anything else with this third act that we uh, did you want to bring up here? Yeah, I do have We're something. Getting, it's kind of getting to the end of things. Right? I do have something. There's a scene where after Penny uh, Peppy sees. There's a scene where after Peppy sees Tears Tears of Love, she shows up to uh, George's house and she has an umbrella and a raincoat and he doesn't. He's just getting rained on. And then her little boy toy shows up in an umbrella and a raincoat. Yep. It's a little homage to singing in the rain where the three of them have umbrellas and raincoats. But in this, two of them do, and he's just getting rained on and doesn't care about it. His whole yeah. suit's getting rained oh, that's on. that's interesting. It's good. I thought it was pretty yeah. clever. Like, they definitely, he thought about that. That that's wasn't like an accident. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't and it's, it's interesting, too, in, in singing in the rain. I mean, the main singing in the rain, he's in the rain without the umbrella because he doesn't care about the rain because he's so happy. Here's what here's one right. where he doesn't care about the rain because he's so depressed. Right. Like the, oh, wow, I didn't yeah, even pick the, up yeah, on the, that. The other side of it. Because I fast-forwarded that Because <laughs> 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 you didn't watch it. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, we didn't mention the pawn shop. Do we know the uh, the actor in the pawn shop? The guy from Borat. He's the guy from, <laughs> the fat guy from Borat. In the artist? In the artist. The, yeah. The, the, port, swing the portly man who's rolling around naked in the lobby of the hotel in the Borat. The original Borat. It's the same guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's the pawn. The pawn wow. I love how he tips him on the way out, too. He's like, he's broke. Yeah. He's selling his stuff and he leaves a tip. 
was like, oh, thank yeah. you. That was notable for me as well. Yeah, just a cool little, a cool little character trait. Cool little bar scene too. I think we mentioned the bar scene with the this little miniature shooting up at him. Where where is complete mental breakdown? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the shot of him at the bar with the bartender cleaning the glasses is obviously lost weekend yep. all over it. Pawn shop too, as we mentioned. The, yeah, the pawn shop scene last weekend. Yeah, there's, I mean, listen, in the acceptance speech, he said, I'd like to thank three people, Billy Wilder, Billy Wilder, Billy. He's not trying to hide the Billy Wilder homage, and I respect that. Right? Yeah. I do respect that it's not like. He's not trying to gonna, hide it. He's yeah. going to fucking pay homage. Yeah, it's to not anyone. plagiarism, it's homage. Right. You're going to do it to anyone, do it to Billy. So we've pretty much reached the end of the, the movie conversation here, guys. I think we, I'm pretty happy with, uh, happy with the with, coverage here. I don't think we missed, yeah. we missed anything that we need to talk about. <laughs> I do want to just say that. Is is when she says I'm I'm blackmailing you, you know? In the it's end, not really is that blackmail? It's That's not, I, I. It's it's called watches. It's, it's, an, it's an ultimatum. Yeah, it's you're strong. Like, yeah, you're strong. strong arm. Arm. Yeah, she I'm, has the leverage. Yeah, it's like not, NBA players over their coaches nowadays. Yeah, blackmail. Yeah, blackmail is like if she had like the goods on John Goodman. She had like like illicit photos or something like that. Right. Yeah. I did love the correction line there though, which is it. It's me or him. I mean, it's uh, to be clear, it's actually it's me and, and him, him or or, or nobody. I love <laughs> that, I love that too because John Goodman's look is like, well, huh? I, how do I just? I don't understand why she's giving me <laughs> 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 Right. We didn't really talk so much about John Goodman. John Goodman. Really. I mean, it's just solid. He's there. He's, he's looks he's the good. part for that yeah, role. I mean, yeah, he, he obviously looks, in a silent movie, you need to have people like looking a, the part. Nineteen twenties, thirties, big wig. You know, fat cat kind of guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, what is it? He's just solid. He's just. Solid. You need a strong constant throughout. Yeah, and he's that. It's fun how they took the recognizable faces and put them into super supporting roles. Yeah, and the major roles were the, all the unrecognizable yeah. faces, which yeah. is often the opposite of how the cool. yeah, stuff cool. is done. So we're going to just because we've throughout this entire episode we've we've basically been name dropping all these famous movies and in this season we covered an American in Paris where we talked a little bit about Singing in the Rain yeah so and Grant you just recently watched Sunset Boulevard we've done we've covered Lost Weekend here so there was a lot of Billy Wilder talk so we wanted to do a little before we go to the awards and and get our MVP LVP and everything for the artist just wanted to have a little general conversation about Singing in the Rain and Sunset Boulevard and and thoughts on that because I feel like you know hey it's a movie podcast we have to should address it get that done so now, Artie, to be clear, you saw Singing in the Rain here for the first time. Right? <laughs> the last time we heard you on this topic was our Gene Kelly episode with American in Paris. You had no, not seen it. No, it's not a Gene Kelly episode. It's an American in Paris <laughs> episode where you guys, you know, wanted to whack off Gene Kelly a little bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. My God. Oh, what's this going on? <laughs> Wow. Triggered by Artie's call out there. We have a run-in. Mean Gene Kelly. <laughs> doesn't happen often here at Best Picture Cast, but it does happen. And it's Joey R. coming to the ring. Joey. Yeah, I heard Artie talking shit about Gene Kelly and still not watching Singing in the Rain, so I made it. Um, I just came up here initially ready to talk about A Knight's Tale. But then Artie just refusing to really watch Singing in the Rain. I figured I had to step up. Oh, my goodness. Now, there are run-ins and there are run-ins. The Joey R. run-in is scary for everybody here. This, this is, is uh, yeah. this is like 
is this is like this is like Psycho Sid running into the <laughs> <laughs> just running in, just like really punching people, yeah, yeah, covered in down. Vaseline, unable yeah. to be grabbed. Joey, no work punches. Just, just, yes. like, just don't jump off the first turnbuckle. That's all. <laughs> uh, Joey, welcome. Yeah, you, thank you. You, you, I'm you made your way to the ring here. And Joey's just walking by, and he heard us just ripping on Gene Kelly. He was in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So so broke through bro- my front window. Yeah. Broke into Artie's house, the Artie's the Beckman <laughs> studio. Talk some shit. Yeah, you already studio. Singing uh, in the Rain is is one of your favorites, right? Yeah, love yeah. it. And we, you were on that American in Paris episode where we we were talking a little bit. Artie was kind of looking at us like we had four heads, and now he's here having seen it, and sort he's of. still looking at us sort like of. we have four heads. <laughs> so the, Artie, kind of the quotes around seen it. Yeah, does this count as okay. seen it? All right, so I watched everything except the dance, the dancing numbers. <laughs> so you didn't see, except, you haven't seen except it. for the massive. <laughs> Dancing number, Just which why I the watched. famous, but right. Right. So you I, haven't watched, seen it. I watched the major. I, listen, I, if I watched everything in Rocky except for the boxing. Right. Scenes. If I watched it straight through and the dancing scenes, I had to sit through. By the time it started back up again as a movie, I'd be out of it. I wouldn't be paying attention. It doesn't didn't keep see my it. interest. He didn't text, I don't I care what you want to call it. I, I, I had to sit through it. I had I love, to sit through it. I love he texts us. He texts us. Oh, I'm fast forwarding the scene where he's dancing around in a raincoat. <laughs> Singing in the rain. He's singing in the rain. You're fast-forwarding that part. Oh, I, was like, my phone. I was like, I was like, what are we doing here? This is like at least at least an American in Paris you just looked at us. Now you're gonna have the same look, just pretending you've seen it. Uh, it's not, it's, what, it's not for what, me. Okay, man. what what? It's like seafood. I don't want it. <laughs> what stood out that you liked in it? Uh, the the chemistry between Gene Kelly and his buddy. And then when the three of them were together, the chemistry between the three of them was phenomenal. Yeah, Actually, fantastic. I think yeah. the MVP, I don't want to, you know. So who would want to watch them sing and dance together? I re- well, it's, <laughs> anyway, I really liked the, 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 the guy friend. He was my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Donald O'Connor, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he was my I, favorite part of the movie. This is the third time I've watched this this year. I had not seen it before <laughs> this year. I mean, it's like, a, it, was, it was like early well, on in the year when I'm just going through a bunch of these classic movies I hadn't seen. Like, I've never seen Singing in the Rain. I gotta watch it. Watch it. Then we did the American Empire stuff. So I watched it for that. And then I watched it again for this. It is better every time I see it. It is, it is so rewatchable to me. Like, it's, it's just, the first time you see it is a little rough. It's just getting getting your head around what's going on. You and have get, to make up your mind to seeing a musical like that. It's a it's a that's yeah, a good way. It's it. a hard musical. Yeah, oh, I yeah. will say it's this. A hard musical. I will say it's a this. Musical. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, I watched the scenes that aren't singing and dancing, and they're all good. I like them all. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Sure. So I'm not going to bash singing this, in the rain. It's just I'm yeah. not a musical guy. I know it. that. And your your big <laughs> argument with things is that don't bash things you don't see. So you really fallen into that. But right? I, that was the whole animation. Am I miss, but realistically, am I missing anything yes. plot wise by not watching the singing well, well, and dancing? Well, you're, you're missing, the, no, you're missing you're, the aesthetic of right. the movie. But like, if that's the thing I don't like about it, then what am I missing? But, all right. So like the make them laugh. The stuff. The, like you, you had texted that you skipped through the make them laugh thing. Like that goes into why they went in. He went into comedy instead of going into. I mean, I referenced that in the Birdman episode. That song. Yeah. That's showing that character's motivation for doing one thing instead of being a you know a dramatic actor. That's literally the whole point of it. I'm gonna plead ignorance here. I'm gonna plead ignorance. I'm I, I'm not. If you want me to watch a singing and dance number with three two grown men like putting lampshades and other 
clothing on top of a of, of a linguist coach. Like <laughs> that, that, I'm not, you're not going to engage me. I, I like, want to talk about that scene. I actually don't that's, like that scene. Really it's really out of nowhere. Yeah, that's I don't really, like that scene. That's, 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 really, that's the one I tried to watch right. too. So Hold maybe on. I chose poorly. That doesn't fit. I had some issues with this scene here. By the way, I absolutely love the scene. I think it's fantastic. He he his buddy comes in. O'Connor comes in and goes, don't mind me, while the, the, the linguist coach is giving his lesson, like yeah. he's doing his job. Yeah. That's this guy's whole stick. He just don't bursts into rooms and goes, don't mind me. Don't mind me. And then he proceeds to mock him while he's doing his <laughs> job, behind a thing, doing faces. That's what I'm saying. And then he physically accosts him while singing a song and then tap dances all over his desk. Oh, I'm not going to mind you. That's why I'm saying. You just put your hands on. The character's fantastic. You just belittled me. Put your hands on me, and now you're dancing and tap dancing and, on my desk. And frankly, you guys have convinced me. Uh, you, your reputable sources. I'll go watch the stupid dance numbers. <laughs> but just he, it's it's just, a big it's a big it's the biggest it's the big draw of the movie, right? And, and I and listen, I'm I'm kind of with you with musicals and stuff, but like I had a, I had a really good time watching it stuff, and like and you talk about the make it laughs, the make him laugh scene, the end of it. What he does at the end of it, dance wise, is fucking phenomenal. Right. What's the make him laugh? Jumping up the wall. He ended up in the hospital for two days. Yeah, he was so physically exhausted. Make him laugh is, a, is the, it's like the second it's musical. Second, yeah. It's very, it's the early part. They're literally That's talking. when they were rolling around on the floor already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like you're fast forwarding oh. through that. No, but the, the actor ended up in the hospital for two days for the physical exertion that went through. Like, if you don't. No, like. It's a three minute thing. Just watch it. Say what you want about him rolling on the floor, because I felt like. At that point, I was like, I, I tone it down a little bit. But the the very end of it is, you just, you just as a human being, you were going to appreciate it. I, I'm telling you, you guys have convinced me. I'll hey. go back, I'll rewatch the dancing. Well, numbers. I do. I want to ask, uh, not to pile on top of that, but I do want to ask. Like, I think one of the things that you said to me, one of the movies that impacted you the most out of the 30 movies that we've watched for this. Is a musical in the sound of music significantly different? Well, yeah, but explain. All right, so the sound. I don't disagree, but I want you to explain the difference. They, here. they don't stop the movie and do and do dancing numbers that have nothing to do. That are just showing off dancing skills. That are just showing off for the sake of of showing off. There's two numbers in Sound of Music. It's uh, how do we solve the problem of Maria, which mm-hmm. is also technically a discussion. It's it, it serves the don't rain me scene. They stop the movie and do elaborate choreography. Yeah, right. Through the town, that's unnecessary for the plot. That's the only part of. The, but they're also a musical it's like seven family, minutes, it's like so seven they're all long. <laughs> they're also a musical family, so they're also into being theatrical. But that's this their is their a singer and a dancer from vaudeville. The whole beginning is how these two come up. They they lie yeah, about their backstory. They're famous vaudeville guys. It's, who it's, sing it's, dance. It's, it's if the nanny takes the family out and they're practicing their song and dance number for the theater act that they do. That's more believable than two grown men stopping what they're doing in a room and tap dancing in front Not of each other. Two guys who tap dance their it, entire life. Is Fine, it, and I said you guys have convinced me on the dance. <laughs> okay, I'm, it, not, I'm not just saying one against the other. I'm, I'm comparing the sound I, of music is not. They're, they're not singing dialogue. Is the they're tap not, dancing? The issue. No, I love tap dancing. My wife's a tap no, dancer. That is crazy, baby, because you just buried it for the last. <laughs> it has, I don't want like, in the middle of a movie. I don't want the movie to stop and me to watch a tap number. You I don't want, want I like tap, tap dancing. You don't in, want to see in it in its though. own context. No, if I'm watching tap numbers, I'll enjoy it. Like on, uh, so you think you can dance? I watched this show. My okay. wife's a dancer, a tap dancer. Actually, I like the tap numbers. They're good. They're they're all really good. The tap artists, are re- the tap dancers are really good. I, it's a, a thing I appreciate. I don't want them a movie I'm watching to stop and have them tap unless so you like, can't, let's but, say they're they're not practicing on stage for something. 
They're in a room together, the two of them, and they're just tap dancing. So, you would, so you, would, you would like White Christmas a lot then. Is that a porno? Joe, Joe. Uh, I, I don't. It's actually it a really good Black Mirror episode. All right, go ahead. What um, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's Bing Crosby and Danny Kay. Uh, you would like Danny Kay a lot, I think. They, they go to this remote Vermont resort, and they try to put on a show at this resort to bring customers in because they know the owner who's struggling. So, like, the whole time, and, and they, they have an act. They have, like, a singing act. So they, like, bring all their friends from New York City. All the music in the movie is them practicing the numbers for the final act. Okay. So it's more... That's cool. It's more in plot. That's cool. Yeah. And Sound of Music, most of the singing is... They're not singing dialogue. It's... The, with the tap dancing part, though, don't... Isn't there a part of you, if you, if you do, like, watching it in, like, competitions and what it... Isn't there a part of you that, that is interested or can appreciate it being applied to another medium though and and it being used that's how something like tap dancing can gain recognition or or value or what however you want to put it looking at, at tap dancing movie like because i don't want us to watch the departed and all of a sudden see martin sheen tap dancing right. around like yeah that would be weird but like i think that when i look back at gene kelly's work i, I can respect and appreciate it in this thing and that's we talked about it in american in paris and that movie has its issues and we'll get to that on the rankings episode but i liked ballet being put into a movie just because we don't get that often and, mm -hmm. and you look at these movies it's just it's a rare example of it really being infused into this movie and i can appreciate the usage of the art within the movie like i said you guys have convinced <laughs> me to watch the dance numbers uh black swan does a great job of infusing Ooh, ballet into yeah, the movie yeah, without without being over the top and over and black swan does doesn't a feel job. like a musical yeah. in any in any way it's not yeah. no, i don't think not. it is but it's no. but they have ballet dancing yeah. no the second half of this that we want to talk about was Sunset Boulevard. And both you guys saw uh, Grant and yeah. Joe. You watched it for the first time. Joe, you just watched it like yesterday. I watched right? it yesterday and it blew my mind. No, I watched it, yeah, I, I watched it again this morning. I'm so jealous I haven't seen it. Dude, yeah. Uh, I blame watch, you. Watch, watch it tonight. I blame Kieran. <laughs> watch, it, watch it tonight. Because yeah. Kieran recommended that I watch Sand in the Rain instead of Sunset Boulevard. And after I watched it, he goes, I should have recommended that is Sunset textbook Boulevard. textbook not knowing your audience. I should have. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> the, the word recommend is grossly misused there. <laughs> but I, I, I instructed him right. to watch it because we're going to have an entertaining conversation about it. And I wanted his reaction to it. That's what also, I got. It's also I wanted okay, a reaction okay, to okay, it. I wanted, right, I wanted, right. I, like, I wanted, the rain also keeps coming up. I don't think it's it's terribly interesting for three of us to just be sucking off singing in the rain. No. For, I like the idea that already comes in and, and makes fun of Gene Kelly rolling around on the ground. That's, right, that's, and I come running up. Give me a stunner in the middle. So now, all right, so now <laughs> we're so now we're going to move to the segment of us sucking off Billy Wilder for a minute. Rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, let so, me drink some water. So, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking as I was, um, you know, waiting to come, waiting for the entrance. Uh, I was thinking of Sunset Boulevard as a sequel to Singing in the Rain, and Norma Desmond is where Lena Lamott turns into. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, and that was making me laugh as I was just waiting, waiting Nor for the entrance. Norma Desmond is, in my opinion, top ten character of all time in film. She's fantastic. She's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. I fully bought into every single thing she did, and there was nothing wasted. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, man, William Holden, I'm, I'm such a big fan of William Holden. I, I William Holden, Artie, you'll know, he's the American in Bridge on the River Kwai. Okay. But I just, I like his presence in these movies. He's He's got a, just that cool, calm... What have I gotten myself into here? You know, and and it rolls from there. But yeah. and then just brilliant camera work, as you would expect from a, a Billy Wilder flick. I don't know. I, was, I texted yeah. you guys. I was just bummed I hadn't seen it until this point in my life. It's, I feel it's like I'm missing. A, it's everything was great. It's such a great movie. But I I think what I want to call attention to when it comes to Sunset Boulevard 
and this is a topic that's going to come up next week in the rankings episode because we covered, and I'll use an RDB term that we've used a few times already, we've covered a few Hollywoody movies here. Oh, yeah. We started off with Argo, Birdman, Do here this. we are with you know, here we are with this. And you can even, you know, there's even some elements of American Paris in there that's at least show business. 100%. Yeah, I think that Sunset Boulevard takes the Hollywoody type piece and gives you something... Oh. Rich in themes, incredible original story to it. It just, it's just a fantastic it film. Throw, it throws it on its head completely. And and the Hollywood nature of it isn't the most important part of right. what's going on. And, and it's not a love letter to Hollywood like a lot of it is. It's kind of the downfall of it, yeah, the which dark side is so it, much. Yeah. yeah, the dark side, which is something that those other movies don't have. But that yeah. movie, I mean, I, I'm going to recommend that movie to everybody who has yeah seen it. i mean it's it's sure so already you're you're gonna you have that one on your list your list for sure it's it been on there i have all the billy wilders on my list yeah it's a safe that's a safe yeah. way to fill out your your watch list yeah so it's, you're it's, gonna walk away with even more admiration for him yeah after this movie it's great Probably, and yeah. we do have one more billy wilder to cover here with best picture cast the apartment, the apartment. Right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So the that, that will be that will be fun there that's jack lemon and shirley mclean it's great oh wow Great, great stuff there. So, when Joey, you brought up recommends. We might as well have you sit in on the recommend section oh, here yeah, since you're here. here. And we're going to go. So, this is the, before we do our awards, we are going to give our recommends where we, if you like the artist, if you just watch the artist, if you need context for the artist, if you need a palate cleanser for the artist, whatever it might be, this is where we'd send you next. Grant, would you like to go first? Yeah, you know what? Um, I was kind of, we just recommended Sunset Boulevard a million times in this. So, I'm going to talk about a movie that I brought up a couple of times while doing this, and it's. Um, once upon a time in Hollywood. A lot of it is uh, the themes. The themes of that movie is is congruent to the artist about the the rising of one actress and the and the downfall of another. I mean, we, we talked this briefly on Clifford, uh, Clifton, um, mm-hmm. being reliant on on George's career, like like uh, Cliff. Actually, Cliff. Cliff and Clifton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cliff there you and go. Clifton. That, that can't be. A, that, I don't know. That's, that seems like an odd, yeah, an odd, odd, odd coincidence. You know, it's a cel- it's a celebration of Hollywood, and I want to yeah, say you can't like, go wrong with that. I came into this episode with what I wanted to say about the artists, and I didn't even think of Quentin Tarantino, which is crazy to think about. He just had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood come yeah. out this you know recently, ago, yeah. and there is so much application there yeah. that can be said in response to what I had to say that I'm like I- I'm kind of mad I didn't get <laughs> prepared for that rebuttal. But it, uh, I totally love that comparison, Grant. I mean, yeah. that's a great double feature if yeah. you're watching these two. One is slightly more violent than the other. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah, is a flamethrower in right. one of them. We'll that. <laughs> that's what the artist is missing. Artist it is missing, missing a flamethrower. Flame yeah. Tom Goodman came out with a flamethrower. I think this movie's up on everybody's oh, list. There's great. flames <laughs> in both. There's flames in both. Artie, you're recommending. I had a hard time picking a recommend for this. I was mostly focused around the relationship between... Jean Desjardins and his wife Doris. Yes. So I went with something that had a similar relationship, and that's Founder with Michael Keaton. Okay. Well, there's a very similar relationship between him and and Laura Dern. Very reminiscent of this. Okay. Reminded me a lot of it. That was the best I could do. I I thought of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I didn't want to recommend that. I don't know why. I just I thought about it though. It, mm. it reminded me of it slightly. I'm surprised. After they do the recommends, I'm I'm, I'm going to say what I thought you would have rec- what you would have recommended, but I'll wait till the, just in case. Okay, There's Joey, the- I mean you you didn't you weren't prepared for this. Do you have something you want to throw out that off the top of your head? Yeah, I'm actually going to recommend something I watched for this because I watched you know I watched the artist just because you guys were doing it. Then um, 
I watched Sunset Boulevard, and then I decided I should probably just watch a silent movie. So Sunset Boulevard had Buster Keaton in it, so I went and watched uh, oh. Steamboat Billy Jr. Wow, how interesting. And, um, That's dedication. I really enjoyed it. It was it's an, it's an hour and nine minutes. I laughed. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Cool. I would definitely, you know, if you want to watch a silent movie, I don't have a ton of depth there. But uh, this one was good. I would definitely tell people to check it out. It was fun. Buster Keaton is just really entertaining to watch. Well, yeah. Uh, and we talked a little bit about him in the Sting episode yeah. last week where he's exactly. just a, a real physical actor like you had to be back then with, in, in the silent, silent yeah, time. Yeah, and he did and cool stuff in this. And... He, he basically is like the originator of doing your own stunt yeah. work and he's jumping off of trains and shit. You know, he's like the OG Tom Cruise. There's, there's one yeah, thing this... in, um, in Steamboat Bill Jr. that... Where the, the entire cast, the crew, I'm sorry, the entire crew walked off because they thought he was going to die. Yeah, they were just, like, we're not watching him die. And he was in such a bad place because he just found out bad news. He didn't care if he died. Right. Oh, God. It was cool to watch, but then I found that out later. I was like, oof. Dark dedication. Yeah. So, but, Artie, I'm in many, in many respects the opposite-minded with recommendations here. Like, I had too many avenues I wanted to go and I had to like really narrow down what I, what, what I wanted to do like I, I thought about doing the silent movie thing and like picking picking a good silent movie for this just for obvious reasons there and I think that this is a type of movie where if you like if you watched it and you liked it I encourage you to go check out a silent film and just get get an appreciation for that for that type of you know that type of filmmaking too I, I part of me wanted to j- just recommend the Malcolm McDowell narrated South Park episode <laughs> Pip which yeah. is which is like one of like the wild, most wild fucking bonkers South Park episodes <laughs> ever, where none of the main characters are in it except Pip, and they yep. just they just do great expectations yep, with yeah. Pip it's in fantastic. it. And Ma- Malcolm McDowell, <laughs> I'm a British person, and and he just narrates as he goes. I probably want to do that, but I picked a movie that I watched right. for the first time this past year, and it's a movie that's an uh, that's a film homage movie, and it's a movie I've been waiting to recommend because I feel that strongly about it and I didn't necessarily want to do it here for the artist because I kind of wanted to do it for a bigger one just to maybe reach a wider audience with it because this is the best foreign film I've ever seen okay. it is 1989's Cinema Paradiso from, uh, from Italy it's a movie about essentially a, a, a kid growing up's experience with his local movie theater where he works he grows up around the town leaves mm. the town comes back to the town that's the general idea of it and they pay homage to film in a way that it doesn't interject with the story they're trying to tell, the themes they're trying to do, right. the emotionality of the movie. I think it's one of the best films ever made. Forget okay. about foreign films. Wow. If you can watch this movie and not shed a tear or get a lump in your throat, I'm getting a lump in throat just even wow. bringing the title up. It is my, my roommate Steve B showed it to me. He's like, you got to check this out. Uh, he was the original run in Steve B, the original yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin run in <laughs> In Mutiny, Mutiny and the Bounty episode, Bounty. right, yes. I cannot recommend the movie more. Wow. And if okay. you want to talk about paying homage to older films and, and filmmaking and quote-unquote Hollywoody, so this is Italy, so it's not Hollywood, but not letting it get in, a, in the way of the story that you're trying to tell and the characters you're trying to build and the themes you're trying to build, Cinema Paradiso, 1989, should have been the Best Picture winner that year. Did win foreign film. Uh, that's the Driving Miss Daisy year. Uh, uh, but um, wasn't nominated for anything beyond foreign film. Mm. Cannot, Artie, you will just, you and yourself, you will freak out. Well, I just added it to my list. Yeah, <laughs> it's Cinema <laughs> Paradiso. Awesome. Um, I'll check that please, out. please do yourself it's a favor Hulu. and check that movie out. It's, it's fantastic. That's it, recommends. Joey, you, uh, another run in. <laughs> <laughs> you made your way in. 
Uh, any closing thoughts here? Now, you've, you've, you've stone cold stunned us all. We're laying around in the ring. You're, you're drinking a beer and, and riding off in the sunset. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, just, you know, actually watch singing in the rain. That's it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one last time for Artie as he's already stumbling up. I'm, I'm, just, pouring my, on the I'm just pouring the beers he's on it. The the yeah, I'm seizing on the mic. He's like, I oh. agree, I agree. I'm just pouring Oh, my God. Hey, sometimes you just gotta right. keep it up. I thought I'd walk off. I thought I'd watch the dance with the Hammer teams. Joey, we appreciate you. Thanks for coming. Rankings episode. Rankings episode. Next time. Wait. It's gonna be good. All right, we'll play them out. Okay, we're up to the BPC Awards for the artist. Here we are, MVP, LVP, Participation Award. Not Honorable Mention, but Participation Award. Scene in the movie, we discussed a little bit. Well, let's start with MVP yeah. here. Uh, Grant, you want to go first? Uh, sure. My MVP is um, Ludovic Borse. Borse. The score. The score, the composer. He's. Uh, I feel like he's asked to do a lot in this movie. He's, he's kind of the, in a sense, he's the driver of this whole movie and and he does it in a very effective way mvp yeah it's it's kind of hard to argue with that in many ways just because of the i think that out of all the entities maybe you could say Dan, but i think he carried the heaviest load yeah and the score the score if, certainly if the, did the score that. if the score was if the score was bad this movie would have been a complete failure uh, before we go to your MVP, i just wanted to shout out i hope this isn't anyone's worst was we didn't mention the cinematographer in this one at all and i think maybe it's because we did a lot of because he's you're paying uh yeah uh, you know. some i mean some of these shots are, are great even like the very, very beginning where like we're watching the audience watch the movie and we're kind of up in the balcony it's kind of a weird seat to watch a movie from but it, it just works. It just it's an interesting angle to, to show it from. And and none of these guys, the, the director, the cinematographer, the, the cinematographer is Guillaume Schiffman. None of them That's have the really done. Coming to arrest you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, uh, the that's the that's the, the grammar police. The grammar, <laughs> the grammar, grammar police. Yeah. You're the lipstick police. Here's the grammar police. Okay. The pronunciation police. None of these guys have really done much as far as American films from okay. this. This is kind of in many ways. This is kind of a one hit wonder for a lot of these guys, yeah. like including Desjardins. Like it's not yeah. like yeah, he's doing some movies overseas in the, in, and stuff. In but the in states, the yeah. yeah, in the states, this is this is their time in the in the sunlight. So yeah. I mean, most of them. One Oscar nomination, one win for the ones that took it home. So we Artie, your MVP. Uh, it's John Desjardins, Jean Desjardins. He's John, awesome. John Desjardins. John Desjardins. He's awesome. He uh, he does a great job. Bang up job. Wins the wins the Oscar. Does a great job. He's awesome. You, you guys both picked probably the two entities that had to carry this movie the most. Yeah, I'm sure you could probably say the camera work too, but I could you know I, I would probably be quicker to give the MVP to Billy Wilder than for that <laughs> if we're doing that. I mean, it seems like the director wants to. That'd be an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went with Bernice Bejo. Okay. For uh, MVP here because I, I thought that the, the movie and the, the score, Desjardins' performance, all of that was the canvas. She was the the, the variable that was what was going on. The, yeah. it, it, she she shone a little brighter in this shadowy black and white movie. Mm -hmm. To me, she was the closest thing that this movie had to color. Yeah. And oh, that's interesting. I, that's a good point. Yeah. I thought she's just again a beautiful beautiful actress who yes. really. 
really worked the camera perfectly in this in this thing. So yeah, that that was my MVP there, and she got the supporting nomination. Yes. Didn't get the win. Uh, that was uh, Octavia Spencer. For the help the, for the help. Yeah, got the win there. So yeah, Surprise. that's my MVP. Surprised she wasn't nominated for a lead, right? Yeah. And There's the we're talking, talking category fraud in there. She could have yeah. easily been the lead, yeah. Totally. Wasn't I mean, going to win that one either. She would have lost the streak. She would have lost the streak anyway. Yeah, Earl Streep for the Iron Lady. She's playing Margaret Thatcher. There's no way that's not winning. Yeah. LVP. Artie, why don't you go first here with LVP? My LVP is Doris. Okay. The wife. The wife. She stinks. <laughs> <laughs> she sits around defacing Variety magazine. It's her life. She's like, I'm unhappy. And she throws a water, like she throws something at the dog. The newspaper. Like, oh man, that I I literally like my pen came out. LVP my alert. pen came out. <laughs> like, oh, here's your Joey R LVP right here. That's it. You can't yeah, throw you no. can't throw shit at dogs. That yeah, doesn't work. No. Also you my know, LVP. Fuck you, Doris. Also my LVP yeah, already. I think they they could have done a little better job developing the character. Sure. She didn't really add much to it. I I, I go I go Doris LVP. Oh, the tough tough way to. To break up a marriage, too. The old note on, the, note uh, on the doormat. With, 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 the, with defaced, the defaced yeah. picture. Great line, like, though. Ah. I'm unhappy. So are millions of us. Yeah. Whoa. Old line. I mean, you could see it from her perspective, That's, too. This guy's so enamored with his failing career. But now you know? think about this. He also has the movie he makes and writes and directs and stars and where he goes, I never loved you, Norma, at the end. Yeah. It's the same yeah. as so are millions of us. Yeah. Yeah. I, we need to talk. He's like, eh, nah. He's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't do talking. I'd rather not. Yeah, we don't do talking. <laughs> this isn't a talkie. Great, LVP. My LVP is the uh, the lack of Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, I see him. He's in. He's in. I see him on the title cards. I'm like, oh, interesting. And he's in it for like three seconds. He is built very high in yeah. this movie. Well, there's like, there's like. It makes me there's wonder. Like eight, like, there's like eight speaking roles yeah. in this movie, basically. I don't know how they could have uh, put more of him in there. It makes me wonder. Like, did but, he get a bunch of his scenes cut? You know, like, yeah. he just like hamming it up on screen. I'm like, get this yeah, out of here. I want the McDowell <laughs> cut of the artist. <laughs> uh, so that's my LV. Got it. Uh, honorable mention. I wonder if we all have the same one here. That's interesting. Augie. Augie the dog oh, is mine. I, I Augie the dog. Ah, I was wondering if we get a clean Augie, Augie's got the J, he's got the JRS going for him. Yeah. Augie, <laughs> that's right. You had you had some uh, some, some negative the dog notes is there. Jeremy Renner syndrome. You had some red pen Augie notes there. <laughs> Apparently, he just does tricks. Yeah, you know, you There's know what no he's doing. character development. I see. There. I, I see. Grant, that is the most when I, when I saw, thing. When I saw him, <laughs> my life. Talk about this the dog has zone. no character development. It's now entering the nitpick zone. When I saw this dog on screen, I could see him in training. I could see. I could see him. You could see his trainer ringing a bell in his eye. I could see him holding the sausages in his hand. That's amazing. Augie the doggy's mine. Oh, he's so Augie cute. the doggy. He's so cute. I'm in there too. Yeah. You know, he's a good boy. Shout it out. He's Probably good, the reason they won Best Picture, tapping I mean, out yeah, in the, in the campaign all these times. He was, he was, he was, he was in the Oscars. Yeah. Like, he, was, he, was, he was adorable. He's a good boy. Scene of the movie, we, we kind of danced around this. We give him a final answer. Dream sequence. Dream sequence for Artie. Mine, mine was the, uh, when, they, when they were shooting the movie, the bloopers, when they kept on uh, yes. dancing and, and fouling up. And mine was the empty movie theater scene. Okay. Just the contrast from him being in that full energy from the beginning of the movie to just Nothing. him in, yeah. in this last chance effort of him, everything he put into it, and just Public's being o- totally crushed. Public's always right, you know. And she's up in the in the balcony with the tears. Now, like, she's actually moved by the movie. and uh, Was she moved by the movie, or was yes. she moved by... 
I thought she actually liked what or he she, did. Well, she, or she saw, like, I think she saw him in the movie, and she made the connection of his career with the... Could've I been didn't, both. Yeah. I didn't been take both. it that way because her eyes were locked on the screen. Mm-hmm. Also, right, so red flag. She, she's obsessed with this but guy. She did, but she did see him there. Well, you know, she's very... Yeah. She's yeah. all in on him. She, he, he started, helped start her career. Myself and Artie, we did our quotes. Grant, did you have a quote in there? I did. I didn't say it yet. It's the, it's the auctioneer to see George after the auction, and he says... It's all sold. You've got nothing left. But he said it in a way that was... Great news. Congratulatory. <laughs> but it was just like the harsh reality that everything that he's worked for is now gone. I, th- I thought it was very. I thought it was a very clever line. Time Machine Recast. All right. I'll go first. Grant, Grant's hopping on it. Yeah. Here we go. We, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Gloria Swanson and Sunset Boulevard. So I'm going to put her, a younger Gloria Swanson, like in her late 30s, as Doris. Up in that role. Yeah. Love it. So it would be, it'd be very fitting because this movie just does nothing but pay homage to silent film. I love taking someone from the past and bringing and, them into the future. Very yeah. Nice. And so, and so uh, what better person to put in this role than someone from Sunset Boulevard? And, yeah. and I, it, would add, it would add weight to the role. Maybe they can give her a little bit more to do. Yeah. So, yeah. I, th- I feel like it will be perfect. Very nice. Artie. I think I have a BPC first here. Oh, Jesus. The, uh, I'm always concerned. The editing team is always concerned when Artie B has BPPC first. But go, yeah, go on. Have I not been good with the with the recasts? Uh, you've been great. <laughs> I just am concerned. I re- I'm, I re- just, <laughs> I'm just scared as to what's coming out of your mouth next. Go, I recast my LVP, Doris. Her first appearance is a dramatic shot where she's holding a newspaper over her face and it says, Who's this girl? Because Peppy kissed George. Yep, yep, yep. And then she lowers it. I recast her with Miss Piggy. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I mean, the movie's a comedy. She is just sitting around. She doesn't have to talk. All she does is, is she's at dinner just playing with her food. She's sitting there defacing variety magazines. Honestly, I watched the entire movie yesterday with Miss Piggy as, as, as Doris, and I thought it was Miss- better. Miss Piggy lowering the Variety magazine, showing her face. <laughs> She's the like, funniest visual. Hi, <laughs> she, throws, she throws the newspaper at the dog. Hi, <laughs> I just think it'd be great, man. I think it'd be great. You know what? I'm going to Photoshop that for this episode. When this episode airs, <laughs> that is going in. Uh, yet again, you've left me speechless. Already. I'm giving G- uh, Jean Dejan, Jean Desjardins, a uh, a Muppet pick wife. We do. I guess I should mention that the Muppet movie won an Oscar this year for best original. Song. That's kind of part of Man why I'm Muppet. playing into Man this a little from, bit. Uh, written, by, written by Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords fame. Is that right? Yeah, yeah wow. he was one half of Flight of the Concords. Great. Only two. Nominees in that category. This it's year. a week year. No, it's they're just they're just not paying enough attention. Yeah. I'm sure there were other original songs. It's a good song though. Yeah. Manor Muppet's a great song. I can't say I'm, I know Manor Muppet. It's a good song. It's a good. It's a good movie. The Muppet movie's good. The Flight of the Concords people are brilliant. Love it. Maybe a tease into what we have planned for the rankings episode. Mm-hmm. Muppet Muppet related. We'll we'll just leave that. We'll leave that there. Well, there we go. My my recast here, and one of the things that I mentioned that I liked about this movie is that they took very kind of minor supporting roles and put recognizable faces into it. French made movie, a lot of unknown parts. Let's get a couple of a couple of entities people know. Cromwell's of the world, the Goodmans of the world, the Mac McDowell's of the world. So I did the same thing. I picked a, a nothing character in there and had to put in someone. So I picked the auctioneer. Okay. Auctioneer's coming out. I'm going to put in a face that I like to see. The Swedish chef. From, 
Kermit. Yeah, it's, it's Sam the Bald Eagle. Kermit. Um, I picked a, uh, a familiar face from one of, not one of my favorite movies, my favorite movie, Warden Norton himself. Bob oh, Gooden. Oh, I love that. Bob Gooden is the auctioneer. All your stuff is gone. He has yeah. a little uh, cold with the gavel. I, I think Bob Gooden's living well off his, his Shawshank royalties and yeah. he didn't need to make an appearance in The Artist, but there you go. That's, that is my so time machine recast. Your stuff is gone. Your ass belongs to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the one to fives performances, how it's shot, stories and themes in the last one. We'll start with performances. Artie, you want to go first here? I give it a four. Very strong, I'd say. But, like, fives are, like, you know, Don Corleone's, Mm -hmm. you know, the Forrest Gumps of the world. Like, we're talking, like, all-time memorable characters. So, four. Yeah, it's a three for me. Didn't dislike anything in it. Didn't think a whole lot was asked of the actors and actresses. Uh, There was definitely some moments, for sure, where the leads had to work with a very tough venue to work in as far as they couldn't use their voice so they had to just use their facial expressions and I think we've already said that they they did an admirable job in that a best actor win is slightly questionable for me um but you guys have kind of convinced me a little bit on that where I'm I'm kind of feeling a little better about his win now it's not going to change my my overall performances there too little things like Grant you brought up in your LVP not having a Malcolm McDowell and not using him enough. Where yeah. Why not just use him enough? I don't know what his contract stipulations were. Maybe he was only signed up for a few seconds. Yeah. It was just okay for me. It was just okay. It's getting getting the three. Okay. Grant? I put a four also. Okay. I think I think it did um, enough. Like, obviously, it's not a five like The Godfather. If I had to give, like, a 4.5, I would. Okay, so both of you guys have fours on that. Yep. Next, we are going to how the movie is shot. I'll lead off here. I, I really liked how this movie looked. Uh, I Grant, you mentioned before, a lot of the shots were, were very cool. They, they, did, they did a lot of storytelling through camera work, which is yeah. always what you want in one of these movies when we're talking about this category. Sure. I thought in a lot of ways it was better than most of the movies we talk about here. Granted, it is the type of movie that you it's a silent movie. You can only tell story through camera work. So right. it kind of had to be. The only thing that's keeping it from a five for me, it's getting a four. The only thing that's keeping over five is that there's just a lot of aping going on and a lot of, you know, just, just mimicking camera work from the past. And yeah. the initiation and originality is going to be what's going to hold it back from the five out of five. It's a super strong four. Yeah. It's basically like a fourth and asterisk just because of really what, what the gimmick built itself into. Okay. I give it a three. Okay. Wow. Yeah. There are some very nice shots, but a lot of it's pretty basic. Nothing crazy. Pretty rudimentary shots. There's some clever camera work, like the the drink scene where he pours the drink out and you mm-hmm. see the reflection. But not 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 a lot of super memorable shots. Like when we talk fours and fives, we're talking Godfather, No Country for Old Men, yeah, you're Bridge on the River, Quiet. Yeah, that's your category. That's your favorite. Yeah, like there's movies that are like a two in acting and a five in cinematography. Yeah. And this, I'd give this a three. It's 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 done right. It's not blow away, and it's definitely not like super memorable. I get it a five. I think it is. I think it is super memorable, and I think that not having it in color, they were able to play in shadows a little bit. Like the sequence of the shadow walking away from him was fantastic. I think it does deserve a five there. Yeah. Wow. We're all three of us in different places in that. That doesn't happen too often. Where we're all 
we're all pretty strongly in a number, and, and three of us are, are picking different numbers. So very, very cool there. When I was ranking that one, I was thinking about the other movies we've done. Yeah. And I was thinking about it in relation to those movies. In many ways, that's what I did with performances too. So I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't bring it to a, a four. I couldn't bring it to a four. Definitely not a five, but I couldn't bring it to a four. I, just, I obviously feel strongly about how I think, but I appreciate both of your takes on that. I think we're all in good places with it. Yeah. And themes. Story, how it's told. You kind of swayed me on this a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give it a three. Um, I don't think there's a, there's a lot of it that is taken from other movies. So you have to put that into account. And and there are parts of the movie that that do drag for me. That reason alone, you have to knock it down a point or two. So uh, I, I feel like a three is pretty pretty good for it. Yeah, Artie. Yeah, I I have, a, I have it at a three as well. Okay. I and I completely agree with your assessment. There's some parts that drag. The story is nothing crazy. It's not like an over. It's not like you know nothing crazy original that's mm-hmm. worthy of a four or a five. It's 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 a good story. It's nothing crazy. It works. Yeah, this is this is an extremely competent movie. It's clean and competent. Yeah. It's everything it does. It does it exactly how it wants to do. It's professionally it, done. It, it is real. It's real tight. However, everything you guys just said, I'm also a three with the stories and, and the themes. It just doesn't add anything new in the grand scheme of things as far as what I'm getting out of a movie thematically. How uh, I had one emotional beat that got me in this movie, and that was that empty movie theater. And I that's worth noting down. There's many times I watch a movie and get zero emotional beats. Argo. So it, did, it did get... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah Argo. very much so. This is a story that's been told so many times and they did it in a cool way and that's where it gets credit in the second category how it's shot and how it's sure. delivered but yeah there's just the thematically there's just nothing new and, and nothing special but because it's so competent and because it's so clean and because it understands yeah. what it wants to be it's not going to get anything lower than a three for me so what are you for five sure. four three uh, no I'm, i was a three four three three four three yeah. you were grant, five four three no four five three grant was a four five three i was yeah. a three four three and Artie, four three three and you were four, four for acting, three, three for shot, three for story. All right, now the the, the one to ninety three talk here. Interesting for me. Uh, I'm excited to see what you guys have to say next week when we actually start ranking these. I look. I stepped into this one after after my first watch and just was kind of confused as to how this movie exists in in, in the history of movies. Like, what, what, and Artie, when you said that your buddy like just, just say, hey, just threw it on, like that's interesting to me because I, I looked at this and saying, if this didn't win Best Picture, what the hell would it have been? How would it have been remembered at all? It fits in real cleanly as a Best Picture winner because it is in many ways the type of movie that you'd expect them to give Best Picture to. You know, a surprise silent film. It's so different from the right. from what they do, but it's really Hollywoody. Is a movie about film. It's paying. It's paying homage to all, all the checking all the boxes as far as what Oscar movie is. But if it didn't win, what would it be? So that 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 whole that whole element of it is very curious to me. I don't think this is a top half movie for me. I think that this is a that this is going to be in the bottom half and maybe even the back end of the bottom half. But I will say this. This conversation today definitely made me take a, st- a step back and appreciate some things. I, 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 Artie, you opening my eyes a little bit with the language barrier there is Whoa. that was very that threw me for a loop. Watch that whole movie yeah. knowing that that and, threw and me it for really a loop. changes the movie. And anytime I, I find out or or recognize an extra layer to a movie that I didn't think was there, which I don't necessarily think exists in a movie like Argo, 
right. uh, as you, as you said. Not. Yeah. No, <laughs> so that's that's super fascinating to me. So that's good. I have a little bit of soul searching with this movie to go moving into next week when, when we start doing this. But what, what do you think, right? Um, I prob I probably have it. I have it. Re- I have it listed late forties out of one to ninety three. Interesting. So like, just because I know the, there's a the lot back. of strong movies. Really strong movie. So it's yeah. like the first... It's the beginning of the second half. I have it in um, the low 40s. So I've had the end of the first half. 42, 43, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so Grant, we're I'm, close. Yeah. Grant, I'm very interested. Don't answer this now because we have the episode coming up next week where you will have to answer this. Right. I am very interested to, to see how you compare this movie to Birdman. Because I know Birdman is a movie that you liked a lot. There, in many ways... There's a lot of similarities between those two movies. They're, they're only three years apart. I think one's yeah. 21 and 2014. Um, I'm interested to see how, how you compare those two. Already, I'm interested for you to see Birdman because that's... I, I, I think Is that in, in your out too? That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, that, the, the cinematographer he has is, is my guy, man. He's Lubezki. awesome. Yeah, yeah he, dude. Yeah. He did The Revenant, right? Yes, oh, and my. Gravity. Oh, yeah. my God. He's yeah, so, so I'm, I'm, good. I'm interested in, into, into all that. So, that, again, I'm just leaving a giant... Um, a cliffhanger there for yeah. for the conversation, but I I totally totally am, am taken back by this conversation today with this because I, I thought you guys liked this one. I did not think you'd like it as much as you did. Although when the rankings came in, it kind of it seemed like it kind of calibrated a little bit. I could really like a movie, and it's still middle class. Yeah, we're yeah. talking phenomenal movies. Yeah, you know for what sure. I'm talking yeah. about? If you're listening now, I highly recommend you not only tune in next week for our season two rankings, but check out that ranking episode we did after season one, the uh, the first fifteen. Was uh, Joey Arho, you had just heard before, was on it, as well as Chris G and and, the, and these two gentlemen here, Artie B and Grant C. We the five of us sat down for the first ever five person episode, and it was a, it was the hardest I've ever laughed on one of these for I, sure. I, I sang a Rob Zombie version of Do Re Mi, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tune in for that. It was just an absolute blast. So I I cannot wait for us to record this uh, season two recap as well as the first thirty should be. Should be super interesting. Okay, so we have a, a few Twitter questions here before we get into the other nominees, which we do at the end of every episode. Uh, we'll start with Zeta Short, VPC Frequent, yeah, who was uh, who did our Oscar preview episode with us. She finally made her debut it on VPC. It was great, uh, it was a great debut. Yeah, she Wonderful. joined uh, myself and Joey R. Yeah. It was good. You can go back and listen to that. It's not uh, we're in, it wasn't like a prediction show. We just kind of gave our thoughts. As it yeah. should, you can listen to it even though the Oscars are are over. Uh, she asks, and I know Grant and Artie, you were both very prepared for this question here. How do you think that Jean Desjardins' work in this film contrasts with his work in many French comedies? Does he manage to do anything new with his role, or does it feel like the same old shtick? Well, well having, guys, having seen all his films, like <laughs> La, La Petite Croissant and Oui, Oui, Monsieur, um, he, this is better. <laughs> uh, Grant? You actually responded to this tweet. Yeah. Zeta, you're giving us way too much credit. <laughs> I, love, I love that response. I, I stand by that. Unfortunately, I, I, uh, Zeta, 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 we, we don't have, watch these movies. We have not seen his French comedies, unfortunately. I mean, I, I mean she... We don't prepare that hard. Zeta. If, there, if, there's one, if there's one person that would prepare that hard, it would be Joey, who just did the run-in. I feel like he would he could maybe be, yeah, watch and, hey, another... Hey, I'll tell you what. If there's a Jean Desjardins movie that you'd like us to see, let us know. Hit us yeah. up. Zeta, if French you watch, comedies, we'll, if, we'll make it work. Zeta, if you watch Battleship, I'll watch all of Jean <laughs> Desjardins' catalog. Uh, you may be held to that. I would, you know... I'd she watch. has to sit through Battleship, though, front to end. <laughs> 
All right, Brett Doze at bdoze2017 asks, do you think the film would be significantly remembered and applauded today if it hadn't won Best Picture? So that's kind of similar to what I was thinking coming into this. There's, there are so many movies you can say that about that have won Oscars, and that's the only thing that they're kind of clinging on to. Right. Um, and I think the artist would fall kind of in that, in that category. Where, I, where I, as much as I, I think it's a great movie, I don't know if we would be talking about it. Certainly not on this podcast. <laughs> right. And what, uh, what... This is what I struggle with. Um, part of me thinks it might have become a cult classic if it didn't win anything. Okay. Interesting. Because it is good. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's got a lot of good qualities. I, 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 I don't know, though. You know, it's tough to say. I would say the uniqueness of the fact that it's silent probably might help it stick out over maybe just your See, average I, best picture runner-up. I actually think it would be the opposite. I think people are like, well, fuck that movie. Best movie that tried to win an Oscar yeah, and didn't? Yeah, like I, I, I feel like that would be the, the backlash. I don't know. That's it could go either too. way. I, yeah. I, it could go either way. When we started this podcast, like the, the early episodes, one of the questions that we asked, and I, and I want to, moving into season three, I want to start asking this question again at the end of each episode, or the end of each award section is, what is this movie's legacy? You know, we talked about like what's The Departed's legacy, and yeah. the, the Departed is largely credited with Scorsese's Oscar win, yeah. and, and it's yeah. it's a celebration of Scorsese's career and all that. And then there's other movies that like what's Cavalcade's legacy? Well, Cavalcade's legacy is that it's widely considered one of the worst Best Picture winners of all time. You know, there's not much of a legacy there. What is the artist's legacy at this point? You know, we're ten years removed. It's a decade later. It's a modern silent movie. I think it's a, it's a movie that took a lot. It, you could you could say what you want about this movie being Oscar Beatty, it took a lot of guts to make this movie. Yeah. And it paid off for them. It's a black and white silent movie that won Best Picture in 2011. That's its legacy. It's a, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, and, and, and I know that I, it's, I came off as, like, ripping on this movie when I talked about, like, it's, uh, I don't want to say imitation of Billy Wilder, but it, it's approach to... Homaging him. Of, of homaging him, right. Anytime that a movie's going to put the words Billy Wilder in... A, a living viewer's mouth I'm happy with that you know because he's someone who should be talked about he's someone who should be recognized who should be remembered so there is two sides to that coin and the other side is is that I'm happy that they paid homage to it because it should be recognized and it should be looked at and I hope that people see the artist and go back and check out those films that's what yeah. you want and you, you'd, you'd want that to be the artist's legacy of course yeah. is it's, it's paying tribute to these older films maybe someone will watch this and go well I'm going to check out these older films now and I'm going to watch a Hitchcock movie and I'm going to watch uh, I'm gonna watch a uh, Buster Keaton sound film, especially when that comes out so late, like in 2011, where a lot of people haven't seen these movies. Yes, yeah. I think the director completely accomplished his goal with this podcast because we went back and watched Sunset Boulevard, Singing yeah. in the Rain. You know, we appreciate Lost Weekend. Yeah, it, Joey. Joey watched a Buster Keaton movie. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. Know, so. it's, I think that's a yeah. That, yeah. So there, there, there needs yeah, that needs to be to be mentioned with this and I think that there will be movies that we've covered that we will cover and movies that we already have covered that their legacy is simply that they won best picture this year and that's really just yeah. about it you know next we have this is kind of like us like staring into the mirror here the best pictures podcast asks very mm. similar to what we're doing here the best pictures podcast asks which movie do you think does the best job of depicting the transition from silent to sound the artist singing in the rain or Sunset Boulevard Grant, I guess I'll have you field that first. We've talked a little bit about it here. Well, um, and, the, and the question is specific to depicting the transition from yeah, silent to sound. It's not Sunset Boulevard because that's the aftermath. Mm -hmm. So that you can throw, you can throw that as great as the movie is. That's not what it's about. So we're down to Singing in the Rain and, and 
Gotta was. be the artist, right? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I actually do think it's the artist because because it it does show the the failure of one person and the rising success of another, and how someone was kind of phased out and the other one was phased in as like the fresh meat or the new face of, of the production studio. Yeah, the question is what's the which shows the better transition. Yeah. I'd say the artist. I'm gonna I'm gonna say singing it's in close, the rain. It's close though. I'm gonna say singing in the rain just because of the inner workings and the usage of sound. Um you know we're just gonna go from the, the scene with the plant and the I'm yeah. not gonna make love to a plant or or just the, the speech the speech dictation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole no, you that's, know, a, yeah, that's a good that's a good point too. Stand him. Yeah, you know, she's and like just, the artist. She can't be heard for the same yeah, reason. Yeah, because yeah, and, and she's in an audible. <laughs> right. And I just think that the, that that the, the transition itself is explored more in singing in the Yeah, room. I don't think you're wrong. It's 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 close to me. It's close for me. Yeah, and a good question. Great question. And, and you should check out yeah. the, the Best Pictures podcast. They, they're they doing the unenviable task of starting at one and going all the way up. So they started at Wings and roll through there, and I think they're in they're approaching the 80s now. They haven't given up. So. Like, yeah. 30s, like, <laughs> if you're a cavalcade, they're like, F this. That's right. That's Maggie and Ian over there with the Cavalcade's Best Pictures podcast. Jeez. Check them out. OK, we have a, uh, an internal question here. From our BPC staff, and this is from Jay Dowski, getting oh, in the okay. mix. The mythical Jay Dowski. I only saw the movie once, but I remember the scene when sound all of a sudden happens, and would love to hear your input on that particular scene. I get that he has no voice, and the world around him has all of a sudden has all of a sudden found its sound, and he's kind of left out of it. Is it too meta for you guys, or is it too fourth wallish? in that he's dreaming of his own exclusion from the world around him. Would you have liked to see this moment of sound happening done in a different way? Do you think they did it perfectly? Do you think they should have left it out entirely? I think they did it perfectly. Uh, yeah, Jay, they're not, it's not um, meta, it's a dream. It's a, it's a, he's so not. You, so the, you didn't, the fourth wall approach there, that didn't, that didn't hurt it for you. Oh, no. it's like, oh, now they're putting in sound? kind of thing yeah no no now he's all. conscious he's conscious of sound as you're hearing it sort of it's a dream it's definitely meta i think it's, it's a I dreams it's aren't meta. meta dreams aren't meta it's just because it's a dream doesn't mean it's meta well the dream allows you to, to self-awareness like right it's the movie, the movie I self I don't, I don't think that's itself. like no it's meta, not i don't meta think that's is, that yeah no i don't think that falls the whole movie self-aware of itself that i don't think that scene is no i think that scene is I thought that scene was super effective, and I cut a whole promo last week on how I hated dream sequences, and this is how a dream sequence should be done. In my, in this my, is how Billy Wilder would do a dream sequence, you know? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it advanced the plot, it was effective in the story that they were trying to tell, and yeah, I, I dug it, I dug it. it. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was informative of the character. Yeah. And his insecurities. We have one last question here, and this is, gonna, I'm going to... I want to read it off, and then we're going to go into our next section, which is the other nominees, because this kind of is more or less asking about uh, about the other nominees and the artists together. But this is from uh, Gabe Guarine, Gabe the Joker. Why do you think this was the movie to sweep the 2011 awards season off its feet beyond oh. the obvious answers? Would you agree that there was a lack of consensus over what was best movie of 2011 uh, so the, you know it's, basically Gabe's asking why it was the bell of the ball you know yeah, what, I mean it's it's hard because the obvious answer is the right answer right it yeah had the best score it, it had the best no no it, it's a it's a it's a it's a movie 
it's a pretentious movie about, about movies. Hollywood. Right. And yeah. it's uh and that's why it won. Maybe. I don't know. Where were the other nominees? So let's, we're gonna let's, let's talk about We're gonna go into our next section. Let's get into that. As we always say, this is not a who should have won podcast. Uh-huh. We do like to discuss the other movies that were nominated. So the other nominees in 2011, and to Gabe's question there, I, I will say this is a weird lineup, and it is a lineup where there is, and we're going we're gonna to go through them, but I, I don't really see a distinct winner that just stands out and says, oh, this yeah. should have won that. I, don't, couldn't even, I wouldn't even guess as to who the runner-up was. They're all, they're all, they're all like, they all have pros and cons for all different reasons. It's very strange. Yeah, and it's, in, in many ways, when we talked about the 2012 nominees in the Argo episode yeah. so in every one of those movies kind of had something working against them yeah you know whether it was like Lincoln or it's like alright let's write that big biopic like they're all kind of like tried to be the movie to win and none of them there's something holding them back so that we'll go into this this group here the first one we're gonna do is, is a movie that I used as a recommend here in, in an earlier episode and that's a Martin Scorsese film and it's Hugo I have not seen it already Hugo have you seen, seen Hugo it. I know nothing of it okay so Hugo is in 1931 Paris an orphan living in the walls of a train station gets wrapped up in a mystery involving his late father and an automaton. So Hugo is a movie that, you say, takes place in 1930. Yeah. 1931 Paris. It's a movie that pays uh, homage, just the word of the day today, to silent film. And the, uh, the or- or original silent film creators, George Millet, who's played by Ben Kingsley. In this one, and there's, there's, we're going to be talking about a lot of France. We're going to be talking a lot about yeah. the throwback here with these nominees and uh, Jude Law in this one. This is Sasha Barrett Cohen, Barrett yeah. Cohen is in this one. Ray Winston, Artie, no, okay. Mr. French from uh, Oh, he's yeah. <laughs> one of your favorites. Christopher Lee from the Lord of the Rings okay. movies too. And this, it's a it's a good cast. And I, I one of the things that I like about it, if I'm going to compare it to the artist, is is that I think it uses paying tribute to silent film and films of the past, but does it better within telling a unique story. Okay. And I think if you're going to to make a movie that is tributing silent film, I always like it better with a with a unique story. And okay. I felt like that maybe was what the artist was lacking. I is like it, I like the unique story that he can't speak English. That, you know, that's a that's a very layered aspect to it that yeah, I mean, I again, I, I I am pretty floored by that that analysis of it too. But that's not in it's not the, the story. forefront. Yeah, that's, right. Hugo is was an extremely expensive movie. It was like a three D yeah style was... movie. It was not a real success. Uh, I think they like broke even. It was like very expensive budget, and they wow. like barely broke even. And it was a Mar- Martin Scorsese was nominated for director. This was kind of I think Hugo was the one that like won most of the other awards. I think it also won five. Yeah, five Oscar wins. Visually very uh, yeah. innovative. One of the unique things about the, about Hugo is is that he uses modern technology in a way that silent movies used modern technology at their time. Yeah. So like he makes it look like the train is going to crash into the screen and it's 3D. So he does it doing modern things. Like that's what they used to do in some of the silent films where right. they, they'd have it running in that way too. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I don't know how rated ages visually and that's the problem with making a you know it's like weird, Avatar weird, talk about Avatar weird gear technologically you're in between yeah. you know the beginning stages and the we've mastered it yeah and, and I mean Avatar you see that too it's like you hesitate with those types of movies Vis- that, visual effects um, almost always age very poorly Jurassic Park is an example of it not aging 
yes. poorly. Like, it ages very well, Jurassic Park. Everything else, it seems so cartoonish. Like, early 2000s CGI Rough. is brutal. Rough. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah, and, and Jurassic Park was able to kind of be in that hybrid of but, practical yeah, effects like, it only uses and like new not CGI. A lot of CGI. It only uses like five minutes of CGI. It's not a lot of CGI. Yeah. But it is the first movie to, like, to incorporate CGI oh, yeah. into the practical Oh, it's groundbreaking for sure. So Hugo won for uh, cinematography, sound mixing, sound editing, visual effects, and art direction. So it won, I mean, cinematography is a major award. For, they they praise the technology yeah. there. So that is Hugo. Next is... Extremely loud and incredibly close. This would be your 9-11 movie here in the mix. Mm. Uh, exactly 10 years after 9-11. The, here's the, uh, the synopsis here. A nine-year-old amateur inventor, Franco File. Why is this every step of the way I got into another French <laughs> name? What's going on here? Franco File. And passive... <laughs> what is a Francophile? <laughs> Uh, someone's, obsessed with, someone's obsessed with like, French stuff. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, Francophile. <laughs> someone really loves James Franco. <laughs> A nine-year-old amateur inventor, Francophile, and pacifist searches New York City for the lock that matches a mysterious key left behind by his father who died at the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. Directed by Stephen Daldry, nominated for two Oscars. Has anybody seen Streaming Loud Incredibly Close? No. Sounds like a metaphor. I am not going to be seeing no, I'm not watching that. Extremely Loud Incredibly Close. Not into those movies. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm going to... I'll just take the, the ball and roll to here. 9-11 movies for me. I'm sorry, I'm just not interested. It's was, We're recording this from New York. We're very close to it. We were all 18 when it happened, seniors in high school. It's too close to my experiences with it. I don't... It's reliving it. We I don't, don't want to relive it. We, that, and I don't particularly care for the idea of Hollywood making movies about it this close to it. And, it's, and listen, it was 20 years ago at this point. It's still... It just... Seeing Nicolas Cage in a 9-11 movie directed by... Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Like, come on. And I've heard decent things about that it's movie. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, but and, I don't want to relive it though. Yeah, and I, don't, not, I won't I just rewatch don't, it. I don't like the idea of cashing in on box office scores on that stuff. It's just there, a generation needs to pass before we do that, and that's just my personal opinion. And I'm not faulting anyone who likes those movies. It's not for me. Not into it. Yeah. Streaming Loud Incredibly Close, World Trade Center, uh, United United Flight ninety three. Ninety Not interested. Sorry. Um, Zero Dark Thirty does something because you wonder like what they're going to do with nine eleven. Because movies, the whole movie's about getting Bin Laden. And basically it's like 30 seconds in the beginning, they just have like, I forgot. Like, News clips, right? Of, it, was, it was like something very minimal. And it's like, this is what that's happened. That's the way to do it. Like, just like brush past it. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's, yeah, that's the intent of the story was what happens after that. Next we have uh, Woody Allen finds his way back into Best Picture cast vocabulary here. It's Midnight in Paris. Love this movie. This was and this this lineup here. I gotta say, I had not seen any of these movies other than the artists coming into this year, and I saw four of them for the first time this year. So yeah. I have a lot of them are fresh on the mind, and this is one of the Midnight in Paris. Uh, while on a trip to Paris with his fiancee's family, a nostalgic screenwriter finds himself mysteriously going back to the 1920s every day at midnight. And yes, this is a Owen Wilson <laughs> Best Picture nominee. Owen yeah. Wilson is the lead in the movie. Rachel McAdams plays his his wife. Marion Cotillard. Yep. 
Thank you, Brent. You can yeah. <laughs> take that one. I'm, I'm getting beat down with French names. Kathy Bates in that one, too. Uh, Grant, really good movie, right? I love like, that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was a lot, it was very cool. Um, you talked about another movie with French, you know, French connections. <laughs> Not talking about the French connection, <laughs> but we're... Uh, and it has to do with art because he, yep. he goes back into a time where he, like in the 20s, where he thought all the art was great, like Picasso and F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway. And so it, it, it deals with him longing to be a part of that era, but he meets all these these famous um, these famous artists from all over, from all spectrums of, of medium. And he kind of longs for that, but Marion Courtyard is from that era, era in the 20s. But she wants to go like 60 years in the past too because she's not happy with where yeah. she is so it's, it's, it deals with nostalgia nostalgia and, and, and like longing for another time a simpler time and you're and, never and you're never, you're never really going to be satisfied yeah. like 60 years from now somebody's going to want to come back here yeah. and relive in this moment really really smart clever movie I mean it's Woody great. Allen we know all the problems with him we you know we're, we're again not praising the man he's but... not good at cooking lobsters yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. I highly recommend anybody to check out Midnight in Paris. It's good. Really, yeah, really enjoy the movie. It's not what you think it is when it starts, too. Like, it takes a turn, and it's like, whoa. Yeah, it's you know, cool. where, where we have this. That was also a, a BPC recommend. I think Oz recommended that one in the Cavalcade, maybe, episode. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah. Next is The Help. The Help is not one that I have seen personally. That's a, a Tate Taylor-directed movie. As we mentioned, it won the, uh, won the Oscar for Supporting Actress, Octavia Spencer. Uh, was also nominated for lead role Viola Davis, and Jessica Chastain was nominated in that one as well. And The Help is an, as- an aspiring author during the civil rights movement in the 1960s decides to write a book detailing the African-American maid's point of view on the white families for which they work and the hardships they go through on a daily basis. The Help, anyone seen it here? Guys? I have no? not. I want to. That was uh, that was one that was like when it came out was like big buzz oh, around the Oscars. I heard it was great. Oscars. It. Yeah, I heard it was great. Oscar, Oscar script is great. Oscar darling, the, yeah. yeah. Cinematography is great. And I haven't heard much about it since. It's like kind of one of those that just kind of lived, and, lived and died. Yeah, the nominee the fades. Yeah, this is one. Of, this it's like one, the Descendants. Oh, let's go. Another one. This is this one of one of these things where they say, well, would the legacy of this movie be hurt if it didn't if it won the if it didn't win the Oscar? Like this would be a completely. I feel like the help would be viewed differently had it won the Oscar. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Totally, we'd be talking about it right now. Yeah. Next one here is War Horse. War Horse is a Steven Spielberg joint. Young Albert enlists to serve in World War One after his beloved horse is sold to the cavalry. Albert's hopeful journey takes him out of England and to the front lines as the war rages on. We got a World War One movie here. War Horse, Artie? You seen that one? I feel like that's one that would have crossed your, your desk at some point. No, but with Spielberg, it'd probably make me cry at the end or something. <laughs> I don't... Uh, I, have no, I have nothing yeah, nothing to say about it. I've never seen it. When I was looking at what to watch for this one, because I always, always like to pick one to watch, I looked up War Horse. It's like two and a half hours. I'm like, no, thank you. No. I'm, I'm not, not investing that extra half hour. Steve, Steven can't help himself with add that extra half hour. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch in this one, I think. Oh, he's good. Cabbage Patch. Brenda <laughs> Dirt Crampers Crunch. <laughs> ben, ben. Next we have The Tree of Life. I know Zeta Short said that this would have been her winner here. This is Brad Pitt, one of the two Brad Pitt movies we're going to discuss here. Who directed Terrence, this? Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick is like the actor's right? favorite director. Uh, no, he's a Thin Red Line 
was his most uh, famous one. Uh, re- he's a real um, abstract director. So, I remember reading the info for Tree of Life and thinking it sounded really interesting, and then watching some of it and being like, I can't watch it. It's very abstract. Boring points. and abstract. Yeah, if yeah. you're not like, uh, you have, I don't know. Terrence Malick's not really my style. I, I, I had a hard time getting through the Thin Red Line. I don't, know. I don't like Thin Red Line. Yeah, I don't think I've ever fan. made it through. Actually, good way to put it. Yeah, it's 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 tough. He's just not my style of director personally. Yeah. But Tree of Life is the story of a family in Waco, Texas, in 1956. The eldest son witnesses the loss of innocence and struggles with his parents' conflicting teachings. Brad Pitt, Sean Penn, Jessica Chastain. Two left here. This one was the one I watched and really enjoyed. And I think I would probably go as far to say this would have been my pick to win for Best Picture. And that's The Descendants, already as you mentioned. A land baron tries to reconnect with his two daughters after his wife is seriously injured in a boating accident. Set in Hawaii, it's George Clooney. It's George Clooney who's up for Best Actor. I thought he probably should have won based on those other other nominees there. Um, Just checks a lot of boxes for me. Like, I like, I like stories about about families and grief and and um right. Pain dialogue and yeah like, <laughs> like let's, get, let's, get, let's get into it here you know like Ugh, um, it's dialogue driven to alexander Payne. right so a guy did sideways and about schmidt sure just kind of like a like a, a smart dialogue it, it had me every second of the way like it was just i was living in this story with this family they had to discuss what they're going to do with all this land that they own in hawaii are they going to sell it to a corporation that's going to build you know right. build resorts the wife's in a coma. The daughters yeah. are acting up. It's like it's just a, just it's check, a good, it checks a lot of boxes. It's, for a, me. it's a good movie. I gotta yeah. see that. Some it sounds good. good. I will say a major love Clune man. Oh, and he's fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's really just good. fantastic. Now there's a major black marketing. There's some brutal, brutal voiceover narration in the beginning of the movie. I had to remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's bad. It's okay. like commercial, like like Clooney reading off for a commercial. Mm. That's how bad it is, and it. It, they, the, movie, the movie doesn't revisit it. It's just in the beginning. I will say this is a movie that, that has Matthew Lillard in it. A best a best picture nominee, yeah. Matthew Lillard. I know. Yeah, and you know what? He does a pretty damn good job in it too. He's, yeah, a, he's small, in he's small, in one scene, small role. Yeah, I've never seen him really be bad in anything. Uh, watch Thirteen Ghosts. I've so. seen him all. <laughs> <laughs> he will he's see not him bad. Good, in it. So. The movie's bad. Uh, he's yeah. bad. In it. Uh, and Bo Bridges is in it too. I thought it was Jeff Bridges at first. And, you got, you got, you got, you got, you got duped. I got bowed. You got duped. Yeah, but uh, Descendants of the Checker, this is, and this is Clooney like right after Up in the Air, so he's he's on fire at that point. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's Descendants. I, I, I would check it out. It's, it's right. definitely enjoyable. And finally, that leaves us on Moneyball here. Mm-hmm. Moneyball is one I believe that we've all seen. I love Moneyball. Oakland A's general manager, Billy Bean's successful attempt to assemble a baseball team on a lean budget by employing computer-generated analysis to acquire new players. Moneyball. Grant, you want to lead with Moneyball here? Uh, I do like the movie. Some of it's fraudulent. <laughs> uh, they leave farts out. Well, it's, it's, you know, my, my big gripe with Moneyball is, and um, I might, maybe it's partly because I'm a Yankee fan, but when they say, like, oh, the Red Sox used this to win the World Series in 2004, it's like, not really. They went out and they got Kurt Schilling, and they say, like, in Moneyball, like, they make a big point, it's like, oh, don't steal. Yeah, it's anti-stolen base. Yeah, and then like, and how did the and had the Red Sox beat the Yankees of the stealing. of the ALCS by stealing second base? Right, yeah, they wouldn't and have won like, the World Series. They didn't steal a base, and, the, and it spark it sparks the whole thing. So like, it didn't like revolution like, and revolutionize some of the game. 
didn't revolutionize the entire game. The movie tells an effective story. Oh, sure. It's a great story. Great and it's, it's I love the movie. And I love the whole daughter and him thing at the yeah. end. It's a, it's a love. It's a, it's a really good movie. I get feels from that movie. It's super accessible to non-baseball fans, too. Yeah. And here's... It's funny. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll do Mutiny on the Bounty episode, and I'll go on a long rant about how don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. And, you know, I don't care if Captain Bly wasn't really a, a tyrant monster. Like, they made, they made one of the best villains on screen that you'll ever see. You know, this is like, I don't need historical accuracy to get out of here. Yeah. And then Moneyball comes out and I'm like, how do you not properly represent Tim Hudson and Barry Zito? And, <laughs> and, 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 Israelhausen. And skew the stolen base perception across the league. Yeah. Like, so it's just, it's just one of those where, like, this, it, I'm too close to the subject material, you know, like, and uh, I, I avoided the movie for 10 years. Because uh, I read the book, I read the book, loved the book. The idea of making it into a movie was super weird to me because it's not the book doesn't play like a narrative. It's it's a book about yeah. like and analyzing stats. Right. You know, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I, movie. I finally watched it and really enjoyed it. I told you, Grant, on yeah. the side, I got a little issue with the David Justice. It's a little, it's a little sports movie. You know, yeah. I mean, come on. Like <laughs> every sports movie has to have the guy in the locker room who just thinks he's a little too cool for. Philip his Seymour Hoffman though has an all time line um, where he's like. I'm managing the team in a way that I could explain to my future employers yeah. next season. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's good. Yeah, the lineup card is mine. It's a good one. I, if whether you're a baseball fan or not, it's fun. Brad Pitt's great in it. I yeah. think he probably could have won and Jonah Hill are great, great together. together. He's really good in that. The I'm hard on Jonah Hill. I don't like Jonah Hill in general. He's very strong in the movie. You like you like fat Jonah Hill. I also am very tough on Aaron Sorkin. Wait a minute. Isn't Forgetting Sarah Marshall like one of the funniest movies you've ever seen, you think? Yeah, but he's a very small part of it, and I don't like Get It to the Greek at all. That movie's not funny. Right. So but uh, so he's a, you know, a little small bit part. I mean, I like the movies he's in, but I just don't like him. You know, it's kind of one of those. So if, if, if I him relate. in a main role is questionable. <laughs> Jeremy Renderson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, Aaron Sorkin I've been very tough on in the past, too. It totally works for Moneyball. Like oh, Moneyball, you need Aaron Sorkin. He tones it down for Moneyball. It's not even all that Aaron sorkin He tones it down. He really yeah. does. It, it fits in well. Like the GM combo is like that's oh they're great. Oh, that's, like, that's good. The, the, Aaron Sorkin like dreams of the when, opportunity when you get, when you to, get to, an answer, to GM. He had a boner right in He had a million scenes. When you get an answer you want, like just hang up. Yeah, hang up the phone. And then when he has to fire people, you go on to so-and-so to yeah. pack your bags. You, so-and-so yeah, yeah. can arrange your flight. Get out of here. He's like, that's yeah. it. Right. In, so in, good. In his wheelhouse. The, also, the Scott Atterberg, the, the Chris, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Oh, fine, he yeah. kills everything he's in. But, like, we're making Scott Atterberg act like he's like, like, like it's a wonderful life with Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> like, give me a break here, right? <laughs> He's a fucking right-handed hitting average first baseman who hit 280 that year. Let me a break. Yeah, he did a great job making a story. Former catcher with bad knees that turned to first base. Great job making a story. I mean, Scott Scott Hatterberg's probably sitting home like, wow, I get Chris Pratt to play me in a movie? This is before he was Chris Pratt, though. (laughs) It is. Yeah, this is before, like, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, we made it to the end here. We made not just the end of the episode, but the end of the season here. Incredible. 15 episodes of season two. We started with Argo, the three of us. Yeah. Made our way through. We did a few uh, honor uh, honorary episodes uh, along the way. There was there was Roadhouse. There was Home Shaw- Alone. Shawshank. Shawshank yeah. was in the mix. Some great ones. We talked about uh, plenty of Billy Wilder today, and in our uh, yeah. our last weekend episode, we did The Godfather. We did Braveheart. There's a whole bunch to look back at season two. Platoon, another epic. That was the one year anniversary episode. We covered quite a bit. It's going to be super interesting to rank it all, and that's going to be what you're going to hear next. It's going to be a two-part episode coming out, so 
Uh, it, our episodes drop every two Mondays, so two Mondays from the release of this episode, you'll get the season two rankings, those 15 movies ranked, and then the following week, you're going to get the top 30. We're going to rank season one and season two together. It will be five of us, myself, RDB, Grand C here, also Joey R, who ran in here for this episode, and Chris G. Five of us will tackle that long list. It yeah. is going to be an experience, boys. Uh, closing thoughts? Goodbyes, Grant? Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for listening to another uh, BPC season. It's stick around for the uh, for the rankings episode, and then we'll catch up again season three. Very excited for the rankings episode. You know what? Tweet us your rankings. Let us know what you think of the thirty movies we've done. Rank them. Yeah, absolutely. I guess maybe we'll maybe put put on Twitter just the ones we have and just try to see if you can yeah, respond to that. Yeah. Figure it out, guys. This was this was fun. I think you guys opened my eyes to a couple things here for sure. You've uh, you've left me speechless. Today. Well, I'm an international movie, movie expert. So. <laughs> this was a little too international for me as far as the pronunciations go, but um, <laughs> uh, I was happy to hear to 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 do it with you guys. And uh, that's it. We'll we'll catch you next next time for the BPC season two rankings. A full season in the books. Thank you. Something in my front pocket for you. Why don't you reach on in my pocket and see what it is that I'm about to make just for you? Give a little squeeze and say, how do you do? Something in my front pocket for you. Why don't you reach on in my pocket and see what it is?